Hey everybody, welcome to All Stars. I'm Sal, and I'm joined today, as always, in the show by Joshua Williamson, Uber writer extraordinaire. Josh, welcome back to the show, dude. Hey man, how you doing? Good, good. How are you? I'm good. I'm happy to be here. You know, it's a good yeah. day. Got right. a lot of comic books to write, but it's always fun to take some time out of the day to talk to you about comic to talk books. about comic books. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder if I'm and, spending and, uh, too much time TV thinking show. about it. It's like, no, 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 no. I, I, I'm happy. I'm, I'm enjoying it. Uh, studio's looking good. You got a lot of, uh, you got some of your books yeah. up. You got some of your toys up. Yeah, awesome. I got. I have a hole here uh, for more absolutes than I need, I need to get. With <laughs> <laughs> the, the darkness right here, I got to find a way to put uh, a couple more. I'm thinking about. I'm actually missing the second Jack Kirby absolute fourth world, so that'll go there. Ah, I haven't yeah. got that yet. And then I'm not. I'm not really sure what else I'm gonna put in there yet. Uh, but yeah, I'm missing a couple absolutes I need to get. Did you uh, get? Yeah, that? I'm filling it in. DC released that uh, that fourth world Jack Kirby book. It had like the pink cover, I think a year ago or less. Oh, and yeah, I have that. Yeah, I have that somewhere in this. There's a pile of books over here. Oh, yeah. No, oh, I have that over here. Yeah, I yeah. got it for half off at my comic shop. They're like, oh, no, we're, we're selling them like at a discount. Like DC made a nice like, oh, run really? of them and stuff like that. It was just like getting it in the hands of people. And I was like, that's really cool. Like just getting people. Oh, yeah. Dude. Getting their hands on it. Whenever you like stumble across a sale on something you want, it's so weird to say this. It's so funny how we have been tricked into paying money for things feels like an accomplishment. <laughs> right? <laughs> but yeah. it's like, I remember um, on, it was the day before Thanksgiving, I uh, went down to, uh, I walked down to Things from Another World. Um, this is like 10 years ago. I walked down to Things from Another World. It was, it was one of the shops that was nearby me. Um, yeah. And I walked down there and it was like yeah, the day before Thanksgiving. And they happen to have some of the stuff already for sale for their like their Black Friday sale. Yeah. And one of them was the absolute for All Star Superman. Oh. And it was half off. And I remember just being like, well, I have to do this. I've wanted this. <laughs> Why wouldn't yeah. I do this? And just walk back up the street holding my absolute Superman. I was so happy with myself. Oh, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Out, but it was like, you know, Goss would love that format. I just really love the, the absolute format. So it was one yeah. of those things where I'm, but yeah, it's funny how I was like so proud of myself for spending money. But I <laughs> feel like money, I stumbled I into like fifty percent off, so it was it was a nice little accomplishment for the day. Absolutely. Uh, so before we get into just some just just having fun and playing around with 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 our with our obsessions, uh, I wanted to ask yeah. you. You've got uh, you just announced on Twitter uh, today, actually, not when yeah, the airs, but uh, Superman yeah. Annual. What's uh what's yeah, it all yeah. about? What's because let me tell you oh. something. I, if I can just gush for a second, because this is uh, sure. Superman has been fantastic. It's just it's. I oh, think we're four issues in. It's such a great book. Yeah. Uh, I have it right here. I have four right here. I was looking at yes. it this morning. <laughs> so <laughs> fun. Finish up five. I mean the the art obviously is just like, oh Jamal. Uh, his art is such a high caliber of like yeah. awesome. Yeah, and, and you got teases of like, man, I want to see the greater DC universe because obviously his work on Naomi was so fantastic. Mm -hmm. And uh, but now to get him in this in into Metropolis and deep into Metropolis, it's not just like yeah. oh, it's like you because it's so easy. You can imagine just oh, give Jamal like an event or give him like a like a like a Justice League book. I want to see everybody drawn by Jamal, but uh, oh, yeah. but we get to see his version of Jimmy and Lois and Lex and Mercy, like everything in that world is so uh, idyllic. And it's like what I want to see from that book. And uh, if you haven't already oh, picked thanks. it up, folks, issues one through four, it's, it, it's not one of those books that's just like, oh, it's another Superman. No, it's like the Superman you've been waiting for. So check out that book. Oh, thanks, but, man. I mean, I mean, it's of course. to hear you say that. I, I told you before that I live in a bubble. 
Well, but yeah, exactly. I don't really, you know, we talked before, like my social media stuff is run by somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I don't really. And, and, and this is something we can talk about when we talk about some of this stuff later, but I, I try my best not to really take in too much side voices. And that's a lot of, of what the book is even about in the beginning is Clark, you know, tuning things out, you know, right. tuning out Lex, tuning out those other Oh, that's voices, funny. I didn't even think about out. that. Yeah, so that's part of what that's so that's what that's what Paul Kent was saying on the first page. A lot of people will be telling Clark what to do, right? And I always find that way with a lot of superheroes, and and even when you're working on these books, you always have people telling you what to do, and yes. you have to tune it all out and kind of focus just in on on yourself and then on the story, and 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 that's what I've been doing more and more the last few years is like you know even dating as far back as like Rebirth is really when I started getting further more and more isolated uh-huh. <laughs> uh, i mean i talk to people i have, I have creators i talk to people like you i talk to my editor, editorial yeah. and I, I talk to a lot of stores and i love talking to fans at conventions like i really yes. enjoy that or signing that's that's really what i i like the most but i try to do so much so i have no idea how things are half the time uh, but i'm glad <laughs> to hear people are liking it um jamal is a genius and i think that jamal you know he, he's such a good character worker, you know, and he adds so many cool, like little elements to the story. Absolutely. Um, and he adds all these little touches. And I think there's a really a strong trust between the two of us when it comes to the book and, and the things we're doing. And, and I think we're also at a point where we're both trying to give each other work or give each other elements of the story that will make the other person smile and have fun, sure. you know, because yeah. that's it. Like, you know, I'm having a lot of fun writing it. It's 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 intimidating at times, but it's very fun to write, and and he's clearly having fun drawing it. He also feels a little bit of intimidation sometimes from it, but um, mm-hmm. you know, like issue four, uh, he did a really great job on it. Uh, and then we had Nick Dragata come in for the four pages to do yes. a sequence uh, with Young Lex, and and we'll have that happen again down the line. Um, partially because I really love Young Lex. Uh, I like, I love, I love the secret yeah. history of Metropolis stuff with Lex. The secret history of Metropolis thing. I was like, what? <laughs> well, Clark wasn't there. Like, I mean, it's so funny. Like, you know, Lex was there for almost 10 years before. Yeah. Right. So you're like, what was he doing in that time? Well, exactly. But I love the idea of him uh, donning a costume of sorts and being, uh, yeah. Well, it's a very, you know, it's a very, like, pulpy, like, very, like, Doc Savage kind of look yes. to it. You know, like, I wanted something that felt a little older in a way, you know, yeah, a little more, more age. I love not that. quite a superhero, you know, but, like, a science hero, you know? I, yes. You know, the, I, 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 like, the pouches, that was actually what I had for, <laughs> like, <laughs> he needs to have pouches, he needs to have a jacket, you know, the on the shoulder and all that stuff, like, yeah. You know, the goggles, like I really want him to have a bit more of a science hero sort of look opposed to just straight up a superhero look. Like I don't think, especially at that time, I don't think Lex really saw him as that, you know? No. And I wanted a bit more of like a, I don't want to say year one Lex look, but that is it. Like it's just not a person who has all the technology and the money and the riches that he had later. So he's kind of making do and so that was the motivation of that costume and we'll do more with that later. Right. But yeah, issue five looks like amazing i mean i I was looking at like last night i came in here last night and i was just looking at it and i was like man this is so cool like jamal just knocks it out and i love the way he draws jimmy i love yes silver banshee silver banshee there's there's some 
yeah go ahead relegated normally to like a background character you never really like silver banshee's like oh no things are serious they called everybody even silver banshee but this is she's i people remembered that she's actually (laughs) she's not american uh you know she has oh yeah you wrote her voice phonetically (laughs) you know yeah. Well, I didn't. That was actually something that was kind of tough because I didn't want to get like hardcore with it. Weeds. Like, I don't want to be like Chris Claremont X Men with it. I was gonna like, say you didn't want to make it like uh like Rain <laughs> to walk or, a line. Uh, or Rogue. It's just sugar. No, but that's why I had that. That's why I have. That's why I had Graf make that joke of like top of the morning to you. And she's like, oh, come on, <laughs> like oh, come on. I'm not that bad. That's why I, that was part of it. But you know, I can hear her voice, everybody's voices. And there, there's some stuff with her uh, that I really love in the next issue, but. You know, I really wanted to play with all the pieces in the sporting cast, and I've always liked her as a character. I think she's a really, like, awesome visual. Like, she's just yes. a really cool visual. And I think she's unique among a lot of uh, Superman's rogues and yes. the villain. I thought she had, like, an interesting look, interesting backstory. You know, she's a little bit less... Also, there's the magic connection, the supernatural connections, you know, yeah. and it's like so much of Superman's villains are based around science for the most part. Um, even Mixoplick. Mixoplex on science, at least to me, he's on science. You know, he's no. a fifth dimensional character. Yeah, but I don't see him as magic uh, either, right? So it's, yeah. What's that? I don't see him as magic either. No, you know, with, uh, no. You know, other. Well, it's you know? fifth dimension. You know, yeah, it's yeah. like he's messing with reality because he could do that because he's a, a god, essentially, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 is funny because Mixoplex is the, is the one Superman villain I don't know if I'll touch. I have some really? thoughts on him, but I, I wrote him, yeah, I wrote him in the. I did a mixoplick in Batmite story in Batman Superman as an annual, and I'm always like, that was my mixoplick story. <laughs> that was the one, you know? Yeah. But it's funny because like I I have a list in my notebook of all the Superman villains and how to do them a little different, like how to not update them. I don't want to say update them, but just to find a different on. light. Yeah. yeah, like we've done so far with Parasite and Livewire and, and you know, because so much of the book is about like making everyone take like one step, right? So you have like Clark taking a step towards before Lex taking a step toward being, you know, I, I don't want to call him a hero, but becoming the Oracle for Pam. It's Lois. It's Lois going to become editor in chief. Yes. It's Jimmy being in like, you know, basically he's moved in with his girlfriend. You know, yeah. it's Silver Banshee stuff with her. It's like every parasite, you know, having his powers kind of changed on him a little bit, having Silver Banshee's powers change a little bit. It's all these like, this is step into the new and fresh and shining a different light on it. That's a major point of it. And that's where, like, again, the annual, you know, the annual is sort of like, a, in a lot of ways, it's Superman 5.5, you know? It's kind of yeah. like, it's, it's this sort of, um, it's still, it's a very crucial story to the story of Italian Superman, but it's almost like showing it, oh, this Chris Somni cover is amazing. Yeah. Oh my it's God. It's almost yeah. like, I've, dude, I've wanted a Chris Somni cover on my books forever, and then they surprised <laughs> me with this one. It's one of my favorite covers of the book. Um, yeah. Actually, I need to I need to reach out to Chris and ask him if I can buy that cover. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, get him uh, Tom buys it because he's. Uh, I'm gonna make this note. I'm yeah. Make a note of myself. <laughs> <laughs> Superman Email annual Chris. 2023. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm literally writing this down right now. <laughs> I can remember <laughs> to do it. Um, but uh, you know, uh, I have a because I think I should. I have a Chris Somni like uh piece of art. I showed it on the last one of like from Batman. And he did one of the sketches. But, yes. Uh, He's also a genius. He's also an amazing, amazing Easily. creator. Um, yeah. I hope everyone reads Firepower. That book is really good. Anyway, um, <laughs> but, you know, uh, yeah, so it's a kind of a different, different uh, point of view on what things are happening in Metropolis because Metropolis has been going through all these changes. Yeah. And one of the things that Lois kind of looks at, and she says this in five, and it comes up in the annual, which is, you know, 
there's all these new mysteries sort of coming up in Metropolis, all these pieces of information they didn't know was here, like the secret history of Lex, you know, right. it's like all these sort of things, Maryland, Moonlight, you know, Farm and Graph, yes. what else is here? What else are we missing? And so there's this thing in the annual where Lois kind of talked about, she's like, you know, it, it, is Metropolis the city of tomorrow or is it the city of secrets? Mm. And we, un- but here's the problem is that Lois Lane, who is editor-in-chief of the Daily Planet, in the past when she was a reporter, she would just go out and investigate those things on just her own. Just beat the pavement, exactly. Now, no. So now she has to send her reporters out to do what she used to do. Sure. And so there's a frustration there for her because she wants to be the one to do it. Uh, and then Superman, obviously, is in the story, and he's going through an adventure with Supercore at the same time and, and dealing with farm and graph stuff. But a lot of it is like different reporters going and investigating things that are happening in Metropolis. And then we get to have some really cool teases about stuff for later this year and for stuff for 2024 that we're building yeah. for it. Um, so we really want to make people know, like as much as this book, I am doing these sort of short monster of the month arcs, right? So like the first yeah. arc was three, this arc is two, the next arc is three. And then it's a, like a two-parter and then a three-parter. Like I'm doing these, Kind of staggered there are c and d plots that are sort of ramping up across yeah. like obviously the stuff with farm and grab and things with lex are ramping up yes but there's other things we kind of tease in the first issue that are slowly building and there's other things you know we have stuff that are going on you know some of the things that are going on with amanda waller that are happening in the dcu that all just start to yeah so there are things that are moving in the dcu and so this annual is one of those touchstones. Same thing with Night Terror. Like Night Terror has things in it that create touchstones for Don DC. Oh yeah. You know, we we show like, oh, these mysteries are here. These are important pieces of this puzzle. Right. They may not all become clear immediately, but eventually, you know, I I always think that like when I think about comics, it's so much of a yeah, I, I try to make sure I give you a singular reading experience, but yeah. I also want to make sure that like when you go to reread it, you might get to the end. It's kind of like when you're watching, you know, you you, you watch a really good show. And you get to the end of the season, and you're like, oh. And, you, and then let's say you rewatch that season, and you're like, oh, all this stuff was there in the first episode. Right. It was yeah. all set up. It just didn't, it didn't become clear until later. Um, you know, I always love stuff like that. You know, I, I love all this kind of uh, story symmetry, right? Things go in circles and stuff. And I'm that's sure. one of the things I always talk to people when I talk about endings. I'm always like, these things have to come around again. Yes. I thought the stuff I always love when I'm writing is like, it's last page, and like, oh, that was built up. You know, yep. all these things happen. And same with all stories, you know, they go in these sort of circles. Well, that's the thing, like, with a, yeah. as a yeah. reader, you know, like, a story will resonate with you stronger if you, like, remember. If if you pay off something that your brain recognizes was something that's set up, it, I think it becomes yeah. much more satisfying. You're like, it locks into place, and you're like, this was mm-hmm. this was a good story, you know? And, it, and it, I'm paying attention. I'm rewarded for paying attention. Yeah, that dude, that's that's it right there. Reward for paying attention. I, right. I, I feel like a lot of stuff I do, I try to do that. But it's weird because you don't want to like hit them over the head with it. No. Like you don't want to have to be like, oh, by the way. Like yeah. it's it's tough with that sometimes. I remember when um so like in this issue of Superman that came out, issue four. Yeah. Uh this is a minor version of this, but just an example. <laughs> at the very beginning when Silver Bantry is in apartment. Yeah. And she's talking to her boyfriend. We don't see her boyfriend is. She calls him like no. turtle boy, you know. And she's like, Lois oh. Lane is his boss. Yeah, right. So it's like if you're if you're a Jimmy Olsen fan, you're probably like, oh, her boyfriend's Jimmy Olsen. Exactly. Like, no, I immediately I didn't even question it. And I I questioned yeah. when when they had the reveal. I wondered if we talked about it already. And I was like, I don't think we, we did. Have. I don't I don't think you did reveal that Silver Banshee was so because I remember you just saying, 
we're gonna use silver banshee and i was like oh that's awesome i also have my my superman mug i call this my i call this my fortress of solitude mug i'm always on brand anyway that's (laughs) awesome see for a second when you pulled up that glass i thought it was going to be from mcdonald's and it was a promotion for (laughs) batman forever and dude i had those i had those and sometimes i see them at stores and at conventions and i'm like should i the party having a carrying stuff. glass jar or cla- glass oh cups yeah it would break through a yeah i had those when i was a kid i had all when i was a kid and i regret yeah. ever getting rid of them uh yeah i uh that's why i focus all of my nerdum into batman returns so everything i get is batman returns not forever <laughs> and everything else is always that one you know yeah. i get real picky about it so even when they release new toys whenever they release new toys and stuff yeah. If the logo is from 89, not returns, because you know it's different, right? Oh, it's, it's I do know. Logo. Yes. You talked about it before. Did V Neal design really, that one? Yeah. Who? I think V Neal, the costume designer, made that one. Oh, right. Yeah. That weird. It's, it's that weird little. You know what that yeah. is? That's, just, that's the Guillermo del Toro thing. Everybody's got to put their dick in it. Everybody's oh, got yeah. Everybody's got to. Yeah. You know, I told you that. <laughs> you did, but it's like. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's yeah, they gotta touch it. They gotta they gotta move it an instance to make sure that they're that's their it's, that's their signature it's on it. Effing yeah. Batman. The poster has a completely different logo. They're like, yeah, but Dude, my different logo. Batman has that one. Yeah, when I was um I'm not sure if I want to say who the creator was, but one time we were uh, me and like three other creators were walking to the DC offices and they had they had that Batman costume in the lobby. Not in the lobby, yeah. it was down one of the hallways. They had it. Like it, the actual costume was in the lobby or that's awesome. one of the hallways from '89. Yeah, and I was like, I love this movie, but this one thing always bugs me. And they were like, What one thing? I'm like, you don't know this before. And I went over. Yeah. I'm like, Look, and yeah. none of them. And I'm talking about people who worked on Batman. Didn't notice? Were like, I have. They they were like, I never noticed that this was here. And I was like, Dude, yeah, it drives me crazy. Yeah, I think it drives me nuts, dude. As a kid, I was like, It's wrong. You what happened? Like, I people, dude, it's so weird. I have a giant over here. Uh, over here, off the take a picture. I might have showed you this already. Oh, I put it on um, on Instagram. I have that giant Batman bus from Returns. Yes. Oh, it's the correct. Batman it's bus. the correct thing. The good logo. Yeah, yeah, I have to have the logo. correct thing. If it's not the correct thing, you're anyway. Yeah. Uh, so Although, Superman. Oh yeah. I was gonna say really quick. The Batman, the, the world's finest book from Wade and Mora. That must drive you nuts because clearly Dan Mora loves that logo and he's here's the thing. Here's the thing. I will say this. Listen, Dan Mora is also a genius. He can do whatever. Isn't he? Yeah. He does whatever he wants. He is a saint, yeah. nice person, genius. Lucky to have him. Yeah, lucky to have him. Listen, that guy can do whatever he wants. Whatever yeah. Honestly, he wants. you know what it is? It, it, it doesn't, it, nowadays, it's like he does that and it's like, oh, well, that's in a comic book. That means it's canon. That means it's real. It's, it's I don't know. I think it's different. Part of that book takes place in the past, I guess. But yeah. it's like, but also it's Dan Mora, dude. Dan Mora can do whatever he wants. I'm like, I don't know why, but I like it in there. But yes, as a kid, it drove me nuts. I'm like, it drives me crazy because what's well, funny is I've to notice it. Yeah, the poster, everything, all the merchandise was correct. Yes, just and in the I movie. think that's why people never click. Yeah, no. And and so yeah, like that one drives me crazy. Yeah. Anyway, Superman. Superman. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yes, yeah, the annual. You know, we have a bunch of we have a bunch of great artists in there, and it's going to be really exciting. And there's some yeah. teams and stuff that are like, you know, things I'm really excited about. But at the end of the day, it's about those characters. You right. know, it's a story about them as reporters. It's Lois is in chief. It's Clark as a reporter. It's kind of like a day in the life of of Daily Planet hmm. in Metropolis, and they're investigating these different uh, things that are going on. So it's been, yeah. um, you know, it's been really fun. We have some some fun stuff in there, but yeah, it's it's you know Lois and Jimmy and Cat Grant and Steve Lombard and a couple other new reporters. Yeah, I was gonna uh, say. Gonna put in there, but it's just really fun. 
yeah are we uh and i don't want to i don't want to spoil anything but i will ask just because yeah, sure. why not but uh you know because lois has kind of ascended to the perry white role are there going to be mm -hmm. some hot and young hot new young would-be lois lanes that lois is going to have to deal with yeah i have an idea for something with that that that's not going to be in the annual like I, there definitely are newer people in there but I, i'm not gonna i have an idea for for that a little bit um mm -hmm. it's a matter of room at that point and making sure we can i can move that around but, uh, yeah i do have some stuff about that of there being that there is there is a new reporter daily plant does get a new reporter in the issue that i i'm I, i'm i'm really curious people are going to think this is a character people know Oh, cool. Uh, so Lois does hire someone, and oh, it is no. a character that people know. That's okay. the most I can tell you. I won't. I won't even. I won't say a thing. Okay. I'm like, oh, it's I definitely. I, I was driving yesterday thinking about it, and I was like, it's really fun. I'm just gonna leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> so Lois yeah, does I, hire someone else as a reporter to work in the Daily Planet. Sure. Uh, sort of. You'll see. You'll see. I'm not gonna say who it is, mm -hmm, but he does mm -hmm. hire somebody. Uh, that's a character people people are very fam they're very familiar with this character uh -huh. that she <laughs> so that's the most I can tell you. Um, but it makes sense. There is a there is a one hundred percent. I think when it happens, you're gonna be like, oh, yeah, that one hundred percent makes sense, and it's actually sure. really smart of Lois in the moment to do to hire this person. So yes, um, no, I, I yeah, if I if I I think we're on the same page. I'm not gonna ruin it, but I think yes. I love it. Oh, if you have a guess, tell me after. Tell me after. I will. No, uh, after the show, I will be definitely be like. I think okay, yeah. Tell me. I'll, I'll, yeah, yeah, tell me your guess. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's been really fun uh, working on Superman. I, I feel really, really. Um, I feel really lucky uh, to be working on Superman, and you know, I I really appreciate like what you're saying and stuff, and it's been a lot of fun. Sure. And I, I think you know if. It's it's weird. Like I mean, two years ago, if you had said like, "Hey, you're gonna be writing Superman two years," I wouldn't believe. Partially because there were right. other books we had, I had talked to DC about at the time, yeah. but uh, you know, a year ago when I started really working on it, and I had that notebook full of ideas, it just mm -hmm. started like the shape of the book really became so clear, and the tone of it, and the vision I had for it just became so clear, and the voices, the characters, and how to do it a little different than I had seen before. Um, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad people like it because I like yeah. writing it. Like, it's a lot of fun. Like, it's a book that makes me smile as I'm working on it, you know? And, like, yeah. whenever Jamal turns in pages, because he doesn't turn them in, like, one at a time. He turns them in, like, box. Dude, I, I will race to <laughs> look at those pages. Like, I will yeah. run as fast as I can to get to my computer, my iPad, whatever, my phone. Like, I'll just be like, oh, my God, this is amazing because he just really knocks it out. Like, Jamal does really, does amazing work on it. Nice. Uh, I'm I'm glad people people are liking it. But yeah, the yeah, annuals are so. really important, and we have a bunch of cool covers. And uh, yeah, like I, on my Substack, we showed a bunch of them in Twitter. We're gonna be posting them all day today. So by the time this airs, that'll all be out there. Oh yeah. Um, right. But uh, you know, it's it's really exciting. Yeah, we have a Jock cover, we have a Jorge cover. And there's a, it's it's yeah, it's gonna be yeah. a, a fun issue. And then we have a lot of really cool plans for the fall for Night Terror. You know, it's uh. Yeah, yeah, I'm really excited about this annual. I, I was, uh, it, really early on, I was like, I, it's funny because mostly, most times when you do annuals, you know, they become these kind of like side stories, right? Like they become these kinds of like fun one and done things. Yes. But when I was looking at my actual plan for the book, I realized I was like, oh no, no I need this annual. <laughs> like, <laughs> A little I extra pages. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, because also it's just that, you know, with this book, I'm trying to let it breathe a lot more and, and let it, yeah. 
you know, because I want those character moments. I want those quieter moments with this cast. Not everything has to be, you know, explosions all the time. And yeah. Well, yeah, it has to be, it has to be like loud. You right, know, exactly. Sort of what, again, the theme of, of one of the themes of the book is about music and about tuning things out. And it's like, I don't want the book to always be loud all the time. I want right. to have those quiet moments between the characters. And that actually is, that is part of the book is them, them also recognizing they need quiet moments among themselves, uh, which can be hard when you have someone like Silver Banshee coming and screaming yeah. all the time. <laughs> so I wanted to, yeah. yeah, so I, I there's definitely uh, some thematic stuff going on with the book. But yeah, so it's like with the annual, I knew I needed it to have, put a couple pieces on the table, but also to have more of those character moments and to flesh out, continue to flesh out sort of the story we're doing in Metropolis and things that are happening in the Daily Planet with Lois and, and, and the pressure yeah. she feels by being editor in chief but also show some more Supercore and Mercy and, you know, show these other characters, but still make sure that Superman is in the book. Anyway. Oh, sure. You know, Superman stuff, you know. Um, but yeah, that's that's the annual in a nutshell. And it's been it's been really fun to work on it. Yeah. Yeah, that's looking great. I can't wait, man. Uh, uh, did you? Uh, yeah. Do you want to talk about you? You want to talk about uh, Guardians of the Galaxy? I figured, yeah. Ask that. You, did, yeah, so Guardians of the Galaxy. And then we can get to the, <laughs> the last time I promised. We talk about yeah. the 2012 stuff, and that'll be that'll be the big. It'll be uh, interesting conversation I can't wait, <laughs> to man. get into. But yeah. Uh, yeah, let's talk about uh, Guardians of the Galaxy for a moment. Um, I loved it. Yeah, I I really loved it. Um, I you know when I was watching it, I had this moment where I was like, oh man, I'm so glad that James Gunn is working on DC movie now. Like in the <laughs> middle of the movie, I was just like, like oh, so thank you. Yes, yes. Because yeah. he just nails it, dude. Like like we were saying before we started, but it's just like action, emotion, drama, humor. It's like all of it. And it breathes. Yep. Like he somehow hits, he somehow hits every beat you want. Yeah. Like every beat you want. You're just watching it. Dude, it's so flawless. And everyone gets a character art. Yep. Everyone gets an emotional moment. We were yeah. talking about that stuff that comes around. Everybody got to have something come around, right? Yes. It was just like, oh man, dude. Um, okay, if you're watching, it, we like, yeah. If you, haven't, if you haven't seen it yet, we're gonna get deep into spoilers probably oh, right yeah, now for so, a few minutes. So yeah, yeah be careful. Spoilers for you know, but, uh, Yeah, for the next, I was the next ten minutes. We're gonna talk about Guardians of the Galaxy, and then we'll exactly. skip ahead and we'll talk about when I thought my career at DC was over in 2012. <laughs> <laughs> we can talk about that. Yeah. I don't even like calling it a career. I always get weird about calling things a career and I'll explain why, but I thought I was done, almost done in comics in 2012. Right. We'll get to that in over. a minute. Yeah. We got some fun. We're going to talk about Guardians of the Galaxy for a minute. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, dude. So yes. Um, every character gets an arc. Every character gets a moment to shine at least one, if not two. Yeah. Um, there's a good tight story and it does that thing that I love when superhero movies can get away with it, which is it's not the, okay. So it's not the end of the world yet. They also blow up an entire planet. So it's like, it's oh, not, it is yeah. the end of the world, but it's like, it's so it, the stakes are, I remember somebody criticizing the movie and they were like, Oh, it feels more like a TV show. Cause like the, the, oh. the the stakes were so low. I know, not so, you know, a TV show, but right, no, the emotional exactly. But I'm like, stakes, the emotional the stakes, stakes couldn't have been higher. So heavy. Yeah, no, like, yeah, you, dude, we have spent five movies making you fall in love with Rocket Raccoon, and then to threaten his life, you know, immediately. Like, I remember oh, from the trailer just seeing so much Rocket going, like, they're gonna kill Rocket, and I'm gonna lose it. And uh, dude, they could kill any character in that movie, and we would have been all like crying babies in that theater. Absolutely, any character. Any character. I was positive Drax was gonna die. I, I was like, dude, Drax is not making it out of this. No, um, 
you know, there's, there's was no so, way like open about him leaving and about him not wanting to do this anymore. And so we're like, all right, well, he'll yeah, probably get a cool done. send off. Yeah. But I was like, no, this is really any any of those characters. It would make you sad and it could have been used to successful effect. It would have been fine, you know, yeah. if, if anyone died. But he does the impossible and manages to wreck you emotionally, but also still preserve everyone. Oh, dude, it's he, incredible. it is high art. And I say this and it's going to sound bad, but it that movie is so emotionally manipulative 100%, <laughs> like, right and i say that in a nice way yeah. but it's like every every scene they just and i love this i love when they trick you like i think yes. storytelling is in a lot of ways tricking people you sure. know like it is a bit of trying to get you to think you're going this way and then go this way and pull the rug out and, and then and then get you to be emotionally invested and engaged Totally. And then to kind of play with those emotions and then get you, it's roller coaster, right? You with the highs yeah. and lows. And then, so with Drax, there was that part where he got shot twice or oh. whatever. And I was like, oh, and I'm like, he's dead right this here. Is it, yes. And this is going to be a turning point. And then I was like, oh, he's going to die protecting those kids. And I was like, yep. fuck, this is, this is going to be rough. Like, it was just these constant moments of, you know, <laughs> them yeah. messing with you, Rocket, Star Lord, everybody. Star Lord, you know, um, you know, Peter Quill going back for the music. Oh my god! And that you're was like, oh, dude, if he dies going back to the music, that would have been too tragic. Though. It would have been tragic, like but it would have been... been. I would have gotten it. It would have been one of those things where it's like, I, I understand. I would have been mad. I understand. Yeah, he's going back to music because he wasn't going back to music for himself. He was going back to music for a rocket. So I yeah. feel like that was tough. But then I was like, there's also that built-in thing in your brain, even just as like a storyteller, that is like, so Adam Warlock is going to come flying at any minute now, right? Like you're just like, oh yeah, Adam Warlock is going to show up at some point. Right. And and do something monumentous like in this in this moment somehow, right? And so when they yeah. did that, and then obviously, you know, there's there's so many you know, because the idea of Adam Warlock being um you know, he is Adam, right? So like yeah. the stuff with him and him saving Peter Quill and yeah, they, they obviously did a lot of symbolism and visual symbolism in that moment that was really powerful. And so it was like, yeah. Okay, I get what you're doing. It's it's beautiful and like yeah. All the stuff with the characters, like I, I said this to you before, but it was like that moment where She's like, oh, you know, the Drax. She's like, you're not a destroyer, you're a dad. So that theater is like, <laughs> just like, you know, and Rocket, dude, I, 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 I was really, I, I couldn't tell while I was watching it. I was like, is Rocket going to die? Like, I, I couldn't, I couldn't get to that moment of like, is he going to? And I think that, again, that, that level of emotional manipulation and storytelling, I don't say it in a bad yep. way. I mean, no, like, yeah. It, that's what you want, though. You want it to be a little unpredictable. Yeah, it's always that thing where you want them to like get a step. Like you want them to be a step ahead of you, right? right. Too many steps, you're doing a bad job. Too far behind, you do a bad job. Uh-huh. He nailed that step. Like you, yeah. he was always one, and you're like, I'm following you. I'm getting there. I'm I'm picking up the pieces. Yeah, I'm almost yes. there. And but with that, it was like just slightly unpredictable. And then you're like, okay, he's gonna do this, but you're figuring out like two seconds before it happens, kind of. Totally. Thing. Well, that's the thing. Like uh, the just moment when, when Peter goes back for the for the for the music, it's 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 the Indiana Jones gets his hat moment. That's what you're you're, oh, you're yeah, set to yeah, believe, yeah. right? Because that's a good way to everything, put it, yeah. right? Because everyone's good. Everyone's good. We've done it. We saved the kids. Yeah. We saved everybody. We're good. And if we're gonna kill anyone, we've already done it. They, we, you're thinking they're gonna kill Cosmo. When Cosmo is using their telepathy oh, or the telekinesis too much, and you're like, "Don't kill the dog!" Like because don't kill the you know, dog, dude. I mean, they killed. I mean, yeah. When they killed his friends, I oh. mean that stuff, dude. Yeah. My wife, I came home, 
and I told her before, before I came home, um, I saw it with, I, I saw it with an editor from uh, DC and, nice. and, and we both were like, hell yeah, the movie was over. <laughs> um, and I came home and I, and I, I told my, my wife, I was like, you could probably never see this movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, I was like, I don't think you can make it. And she was like, but she thought I meant it was just sad. Yeah. You know? And I was like, it is sad. It is a sad movie, you know, but I think you'll yeah. be okay. And then uh, we, she saw a clip or something and basically alluded to like the animal cruelty stuff and the animals dying. And she was like, oh, okay. Yeah, never mind. <laughs> she was like, I have to watch it by myself and just have a box of Kleenex and be right. fine. No, no, you know, but we, um, I still want her to see it because I think she'll, I think she'll really like it. But yeah, like, yeah, some of the rocket. And then, dude, there's so many like little James, like James Gunn is like all over that movie. There's all kinds of little stuff. I mean, there's that part where that guy is running with the monkey and he throws the monkey at that woman and then the monkey starts scratching the monkey rips her face off. And I'm like, well, I guess because monkeys are unreliable and that's exactly what they would do. Yeah, that's true. That's exactly what they would do. But it's beautiful. <laughs> it's such a funny little moment of just like this, this realistic thing that's also yeah. a little ridiculous, a little bit uh, scary. You know, yeah, it's yeah. like, like I, I remember uh, years ago, I, wa- I remember watching Slither and I was like, this movie is made for me. That's another James Gunn movie, Slither. I was like, this movie is made for me, but I can only watch it once. <laughs> no, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. James Gunn is one like, of those people who's awesome. Like- it's so gross and so funny. And so it's like, hits all these beats for me as well in terms of that gross humor, uh, yeah. like really well done storytelling. But I'm also just like, I can only watch the movie one time because it, <laughs> it, it, it's too many of those beats. Uh-huh. Um, but Guardians of the Galaxy, dude, like I came home and I was like, I could watch it again right now. Like, I could sit down and watch it right now. And I and I had a friend. He he sat down and he watched all of it. So he watched one, two, Infinity War, Endgame, Christmas special. Oh, you know, that's awesome. I mean, literally, I came home uh, that next day. So Friday, I had like a bunch of work to do, and I got lunch for myself. And then I just watched the little Rocket and Groot shorts on Disney Plus. Oh yeah, I just sat there and I just watched those. Um, yeah, one of my favorite scripts I ever wrote for Marvel was actually a what if story. It was a what if Guardians of the Galaxy story. And it was, um, I wrote it the same week that the first movie came out. Oh. And Jason Copeland drew it. And it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. It's like, I, if anyone, you know, ever wants to read anything else of mine, there's this one story I did. It's all from the point of view of Rocket. Has a cool cover with like Rocket aiming a gun at Thanos' head, and yeah. Um, okay, yeah, it's like a what if Guardians of the Galaxy story that is almost—it's yeah. not enough of a what if. I almost feel like it's like a tiny change on something that happened during Infinity, uh, but when yeah, the, the, in the clip, event, yeah, yeah, it's a, uh, it's a, uh, it's in the collection. What if Infinity? So yeah, it is. Yeah, it's in there. It's one of my favorite things they ever done for Marvel. But I actually wrote that like the week. I wrote that the week the movie came out, the first movie. Nice. And uh, so I always feel like I have a connection to those characters. You know, whenever you write them, you get like a connection. But writing that one, yeah. I really liked it a lot. And I always liked that cast. And yeah, I just really love that movie, dude. It was such a, yeah. like, just firing all soldiers, man. You leave that theater, and you're just like, make a job, everybody. Like, oh, yeah. No. Everybody should um, get a raise. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, Chuck Woody Uji's uh, High Evolutionary takes a character that oh, I never liked and turn them into the one of the best villains in the Marvel Cinematic One of the best universe, villains. Easily. One of the best. I mean, you got, you got Thanos, you got Killmonger, and now you got and then, High Evolutionary. And then High Evolutionary. Dude, those are... I, I think... I might be wrong. I mean, I'm, people will probably dispute this, but I think those are the, probably the top three villains. I, think, I don't have. think anyone would argue with that. <laughs> well, Loki, <laughs> Loki, think... Loki is a great villain, but now... But he's also... He's a protagonist. Is, yeah. He's a protagonist, and, and his, he is complicated. 
right? Yes. Like there's such a they did such a good job with him as a character where it's like, yeah, he's a he was a villain in the beginning, but it's 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 complicated. They're not gonna give Thanos a work with him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, like, give Thanos. Thanos is complicated, but they're not gonna give him his own show. It's he's he's a villain. Yeah, uh, that's a good point. Uh but I feel like with him, you know, with High Evolutionary Dude, I mean I, I actually like that character. Um, I and, I was like, uh, we need to bring him back like now. Oh, dude, he was just, I mean, scary, yeah, scary, emotional, unpredictable, like violent. You know, yep. um, they did a lot of cool stuff with him. You know, it's yes. like he just really felt, he felt like yeah, felt evil, like yeah, and, felt and intimidating and yeah, but like and, and yeah. in a, in a, in a yeah. believable, understandable way, in a way that like makes him because and and he's doing stuff with that character that is, you know, it's not Jeremy Irons in, uh, dra- in, in Dungeons and Dragons where he's like, I'm in a stupid bullshit child movie. Here I go chewing up the scenery, but he's also not like, that's really weird. You brought that up. Cause I watched the new Dungeons and Dragons last night. And for it's a good. second, I was like, I was like, Jeremy no, Irons? that was Jeremy Adams. That was, yeah. that wasn't Jeremy. Sorry. That wasn't Jeremy Irons. A little yeah. shout out to Jeremy Adams. Awesome. I know, hey, anyway, <laughs> Uh, I was like, that wasn't him, dude. That was Hugh Grant. What are you talking about? But yeah, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but he, uh, dude, yes. And and I, I actually, I love overacting in villains. I like when they choose scenery. You know, I like when yeah. they, you know, we talk about that with like, you know, Batman Returns. You got like Max Shrek and you got the Penguin. Like they definitely do that. And and Jack oh, yeah. Nicholson the Joker. Like I love villains in movies that choose scenery. Totally. He definitely chewed scenery a little bit. Like he right. was oh, in no. scene and he was want very much a presence. Exactly. Yeah, but he, dude, he just nailed it. Like that guy. You know, because like Killmonger, Killmonger is also a very like emotional villain, right? Yes. A very complicated emotional villain, and extremely well done villain. One of the yeah. best, right? Yeah. It had had a, a really strong heart as a character. Totally. And it's funny with High Evolutionary because I don't think that he necessarily had any heart. Like no. he wasn't like you a tragic character. Exactly. You don't you don't you don't sympathize you know? with him, but you do understand him as a character which is all you need yeah um well because he was the same thing he was accusing other things of where he is it's it's interesting right because he is a how do i put this he is technically intelligent right right he is not a true genius nope rocket is a true genius yes like he is seeing things other people are not seeing and to him it comes across easy and I think that's part of why High Evolutionary hates so much. Yeah. Obviously, because Rocket is a true genius, but also it's coming to him easy. Like, he's just like, yeah, I can do that. Right. Like, and he's not, there, it's weird because he's humble, but not really at all. Right. No, it's just like, that's right. Talking about it, knows he's smart, but he doesn't see it the same way High Evolutionary does. Where High Evolutionary, it's very fascinating, even at a creator level, right? Because yeah. like, you know, High Evolutionary is somebody who is technically really sound, but is unable to sort of hit that. It's like he's working hard to be technically smart, exactly. Right? <laughs> yeah, he's and, like, this is very and, hard for me to be almost as smart as you on your dumbest day. And exactly, I, and so Rocket is just like, you know, like Rocket looked at it and was like, he was problem solving, exactly. and he was being. I mean, really, what it comes down to in a lot of ways is that Rocket is creative. Yeah, like that was that. Yeah, and High Evolutionary wasn't. You know, <sighs> like, and I think some of that comes from the fact that maybe it has something to do with compassion and heart you know the yeah. fact that high evolutionary is looking at everything as tools to be used right right, right. like he, he, he's just using everyone and rocket doesn't see that way right rocket yeah. is like these are my friends and you know and he's able yeah. to kind of like he's doing it out of way of helping 
Well, and it's so like just just if you look at the two characters, uh, just b- building off of that point, which is brilliant, the idea of like Rocket uh, when he uses the, when he manipulates tools and builds things, it's all very harmonious. His relationships are harmonious. Mm-hmm. It all like they all fit together. He fits things together. When High Evolutionary builds things, he breaks stuff. He breaks more things. Than he, he breaks builds. them. Right. We talk about this a lot. Like I, I think you and I have talked about this privately that like every once in a while creators kind of fall into two camps. Yeah. You're builders and your destroyers. And yes. the trick is to kind of be both. You have right. to be both a little bit. You have to break things a little bit and then build things, but you need to build. You have to always build. I, I think Absolutely. comics are best when they're building. Yeah. You know, also the thing about high evolutionary versus rocket is is and this is actually a thing about being creative in general. High evolutionary was looking for perfection. Right. And perfection isn't real. Exactly. I, I I believe that true creativity is actually fairly sloppy mm. and it doesn't look perfect. Yeah. And you know that about paintings. Like when you look at paintings and I, I think I told you this before, have I ever talked about the Apple thing, like my Apple theory about being creative? No, I don't think so. so. If you take 10 creators, 10 artists, I'm going to start with artists. You take 10 okay. artists you put them in a room and you say, I want all of you to draw an apple. Don't, I'm not even going to give you an apple to draw. It's not life. Draw. I, I want yeah. you to draw an apple. We all know what mm-hmm. apple looks like draw an apple. All 10 artists are going to draw that apple differently. You might have some that draw it the same. You might get somebody like Alex Ross where you're like, holy shit, that's the greatest looking apple I've ever seen. Like That guy drew an apple in his life. Yeah. You might get somebody like Scotty Young and the apple looks totally different. There's like a worm coming out of it. You know, there's all kinds <laughs> yep. of stuff. I know that's what Scotty would do. <laughs> right, totally. And you go down the line, all these artists draw it differently, right? What's yeah. fascinating is some people, they'll look at everything except the perfection as wrong. Yes. They will look at that apple. If it doesn't look exactly like an apple is supposed to look like, that is a mistake. That's right. Like everything else is a mistake. And, but the rest of them are creative. And some of us might see them, you know, this is when you go to a museum and you might look at all these different paintings and you will find beauty in different things. We all see things differently. We all come from different perspectives, different experiences. So we're going to look at those different pieces of art differently. And we're all going to go into that room. Now, if you get a bunch of people to go into that room and you have 10 drawings of apples differently, people are going to react to those apples differently. And what's beautiful about art is when people have true art appreciation or true creative inspiration, uh, you go in there and you look at it, an appreciation of these things, you look at it and you can find something in all 10 that is of value, you know? But some people go in there and they go, nope, only the one that looks like a life-to-life drawing is correct. Yes. Look at Frank Miller's art. Frank Miller does not draw people looking like they're people. He is not a life drawing artist right and you know this <laughs> right. about a lot of different artists throughout the line you look at chris somni you look at all these guys all different styles no one is drawing exactly the same what's fascinating is i feel the same way about writing and i feel the same way about being a creator just being a creative person in general and i think this is the the, the one of the fi- things i find challenging sometimes about being a creator is how often i find people who only want the perfect drawing book. yes and they're not able to look at the rest and see something else and and but what's funny is, is that it's only in the moment. Like Brian De Palma talked about this in a documentary where he was talking about how he wished art, movies in particular, were not judged so much in the moment. Mm-hmm. Because in the moment, judging things in the moment is funny because so much of it comes from a place of bias, and but also right. what, what you're doing in that moment, right? Like, yeah. I'm sure there are movies that I have seen that I didn't like parts because I was in a bad movie. Right. You know, or I had a bad movie going experience, which is not the fault of the thing. Like, it's always funny to me when I'll see a review of a book or a movie on Amazon and they're like, I don't like this because the packaging got damaged in my, my house. I'm giving it a yeah, that's, like, that's not a like, review of the judging product. the shipping, not the product. It's always yeah. weird, right? I see this all the time. Yep. And it's, it's, it's very funny with that stuff. But so with writing, 
I think looking for perfection is always a mistake. Yes. Like, and I recognize it about my own writing. Like I recognize that I am the kind of writer that I can be a little sloppy at times, but I think that's actually part of what can be called style. And I think that's, what's funny about a lot of writers that, you know, it's funny. Like if you get these writers, if everyone started writing and drawing the perfect apple, it would be yeah. so boring. It would be, there'd be no variety. And so I find it always fascinating when I see, do see criticism of just stuff, not just comics, but movies, television, anything, art in general. Yeah. And people are talking about, they want to be one specific way. Yes. And I'm like, you're all looking at that apple. Now to bring it back to Guardians of the Galaxy, that is to me what high evolutionary wants. He was mm-hmm. aiming for perfection and because he was aiming for perfection and to him, perfection was this, not even abstract. It was like this idea he had. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not even sure it was his idea. It was something that was told to him. You know, it's like, this is what this needs to be. It's this perfect idea. Mm-hmm. Rocket was creative. And you can see this throughout the movies. Rocket is obviously creative, but he's also a little sloppy at times. Like yes. there are moments where it doesn't work perfect, right? Mm-hmm. Or there are moments where it takes a second or it's it's a little rough, Yeah, you know? Like if you look at a lot of stuff Rocket was designing, it was a little, little rough at times, you know? Absolutely. Like he wasn't building everything to be this perfectly functional, you know, like, aesthetically pleasing, perfect thing. No, it never looks good. It just, it, it's functional. Yeah. It's functional. I don't think it has to be functional, but I mean, even the stuff he did, but then it would be cool, you know? Yes. And I think that's the thing. It's funny how we have these conversations sometimes with other creators about like what is, you know, you have people who, I think they make these books that are, uh, yeah, very technically sound, but they're missing something. They're missing those like cool elements. And some of those cool elements can be a little bit different. I see. But creative comes from that process, you yes. know? And and not, it's funny because you have these conversations every once in a while, people talk about new, but when you're trying to introduce new elements, sometimes people get, I quit this, they reject them because it doesn't look like what they expect. They yeah. don't recognize it as new because it's new. And you know what I mean? It takes a minute. And that's what I was saying about the Palma, where the Palma was like, he wished things, people could take a step back and give things a little more room to breathe. You look at something like John Carpenter's The Thing, when it came out, people were like, this movie's garbage. Now, yeah. and now we're like, this movie's classic. Yes. And I think, as we discussed with Hook, Hook you yep. know, it's like, yeah. Hook is this, you know, I, I find it fascinating that Hook is always looked at as Steven Spielberg's like one of his bad movies, but if you look at right. it now and you're like, no, this is, this is a good movie. No, and it's I, I think, yeah. yeah, it's great. It's awesome. Yeah. No, Crystal <laughs> Skull is the bad movie, is the worst movie he made. Oh, uh, let's not be too hard on Crystal Skull. No, I, uh, <laughs> I, I, what I should have said is I should have been like, what's Crystal Skull? No, um, yeah, what? No. Yeah, I was watching this interview with Ty West. Uh, he's a he's a director, and he was talking about how when he was a kid, he only knew about um, Raiders. Oh, he didn't know about any of the other movies. This is kind of my experience too. I actually saw uh, Temple of Doom first. Oh, so and... you might like Temple of Doom a lot. Yeah, yeah. Well, I like I like Temple of Doom, but it's like I saw it first, and then one day I was in somebody's house, and they were like, "Oh, you like Indiana Jones? Watch this!" And they put on Raiders, and I was like, "What? What is this?" Like. Yeah it blew my mind. Um, something has to do with cable. I think when we were kids, like we were catching yep. things on cable. So you'd miss it. Also those things were edited. Yeah. You know, oh, it's yeah. like Beetlejuice. Like for a long time, every time I saw Beetlejuice, it was always, uh, the TV, version. like after they, yeah, on television. And so I would always catch it usually like after they had died. Uh, huh. and so it was always like, I always missed the beginning part. And then when I finally got on tape and I put it in and I was watching the very beginning where they actually have like a little cold open with Beetlejuice. I was like, what is this? Right, like, like, is this the director's cut? <laughs> yeah, oh, trust me, yeah, like, all that stuff, you're like, what is it? But 
anyway, so I, I think that's the thing I think about with High Evolutionary, where I'm like, he was looking for perfection. Mm-hmm. And because he was so focused on perfection, it, it, it made it so he couldn't be creative. He couldn't be a genius. And Rocket was creative. I think that's yeah. part of the dynamic. And, and uh, But yeah, when you're watching it, all these little pieces come together. And yeah, Rocket cool. Yeah, That's kind of funny <laughs> to think about how that could be, if that is what Gunn's trying to say, that Gunn oh, is no, talking yeah. about working within the corporate structure of movie making, where he's like, I'm trying to be creative and they're trying to reach this perfection like working within the the marvel cinematic universe yeah itself. i think that every i don't think he's doing that but i think you know no been a, to, i think to, almost everything you watch has an element of that because <laughs> so like oh, sure. you are i mean that's a, even the thing with you know when you're working on any kind of big two book you know it yeah. is an element of of you do have to work within a framework exactly you know and 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 good or bad there are parameters there you have to work within I always see those parameters now as like a challenge, you know, I, I, I welcome it, you know, it's like, yeah, give me the guideline and I'll work within that. And then you, you can find creative. It forces you to be creative. Maybe, exactly. Right? Like, um, this is a weird example I'm about to use. Uh, I was talking about this with Snyder a few weeks ago. And it was like, it's kind of like how, um, you know, before it went to the, you went to the video store. And you had this like limited selection of movies. You had to right. pick one, and it, and and it was definitely difficult. But you kind of would land on stuff you might not land on before. Totally. But now with Netflix plus every single streamer, you have so many options. You can get like frozen. Yeah. Of like, what am I watching? Like, I have a list on my phone. So if that ever happens, I'm like, nope, I know what I'm watching. <laughs> <laughs> I'm putting this on because I have it on a list. Yeah. Um, and I almost I, I feel that way about some of the stuff where it is like by by having almost too many options it stops you from trickery i mean look at absolutely uh the lord of the rings movies right yeah like when you look at the the first lord of the rings movie um the budget wasn't as big it was still huge too huge budget but it wasn't as big as the second two as you could tell but Peter jackson had to do movie making trickery yes to make that work and that trickery forces you to be creative try to figure out how to make this you yeah. know uh same thing with sam Raimi. you look at old sam Raimi movies i mean look at the first spider-man movie you look at spider-man 2 particularly you can see all of these like sam Raimi tricks yes to to conserve your budget right basically right like you have to you know you can't spend a million you know, millions and millions of dollars on this one thing you have one million dollars on this one thing. so you're like exactly. okay how do i make this work not that the total budget of the movie but you know Every big like special effects shot, set piece, everything costs so much money. You have to find a way to trick the reader. It is magic, you know, and it yeah. comes so much from like all these things have origins in stage shows and theater and tricking people and magic tricks essentially in a lot of ways. Yeah. Right. And so you have to kind of find ways of manipulating the audience through these tricks. And exactly. so but that creates limitations, you have to be creative with those limitations. And I and right. I think that's the stuff that I find when I look at a lot of movies. I love when you can see that yeah. you know you could see that they were trying things and, and i always appreciate uh i talk about this a lot with other creators i appreciate like thoughtfulness yes you know where you can tell they thought about it and they didn't just go oh throw money at it I'm right think about it and it's something that you know everyone you can you can tell in the work they're doing you can see especially in movie i think movies and television show is way more than this movies particularly the comics is a little different but uh you yeah. can see those limitations and trying to be like okay i can't do this but i can do 
And, oh yeah, no. The example like, I oh. think of is uh, it's aliens but, when uh, when they're like, we we, we need uh, we need twelve pods. Oh yeah, and they're like, well, we only have money for six pods. And he's like, all right, six pods and a mirror. Yeah, dude. And I got twelve yeah. pods. <laughs> Remember, they originally when that movie, it was like it's same with Jaws. Yeah, they, it didn't look right. Right, like so having the alien didn't the, look right. Yeah, just shoot around yeah. them and make them shoot look around better. and make it scarier. Yeah, those limitations actually made it made better. better. And that's the thing about Jaws is that in Jaws. They always oh, have to come back around to Spielberg. Uh, Jaws, when they were doing Jaws, because Bruce, the shark, wouldn't work, they had to do extra shots. They had yes. to do extra scenes with the family, with the stuff going on in the town, yeah. and it makes it a much Makes it a masterpiece movie. instead of just a... Yeah, it makes it a masterpiece. Yeah. Yeah, you know, Jordan Peele always talked about this, about how, like, B-movies, like, you want B-movies that are elevated, not that yes. Jaws is, but B-movies elevated. Yeah. And... Since then, don't get me wrong, like, I, I actually really like the Meg movie, and that trailer for the second Meg movie looks really fun. Yeah. But there's a reason why that is, like, a big... That's, there's a difference between that and Jaws. There's a difference between the Meg and... Yeah. No, no don't knock get. on the Meg. I like the movie, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, there, there's a there's difference not... because of what they could do with CG yeah. and stuff versus... Jaws. Well, and the approach. Like, there's just... There's, we're not, the, there's no scene in the Meg that is a unspoken metaphor between what it's like to be a father and a son, which was oh, like, you know, the scene of, uh, of Roy Scheider and his son. And they're doing the, like the, the, the and you know, that was not in the script. They just, no that. way. Yeah, exactly. Was, yeah. They just caught it. Like that yeah. was just like Roy Schneider just playing with that kid. Exactly. Like, Keep rolling. Keep rolling. Keep rolling. Yeah. Well, Spielberg talked about that a lot with kid actors. The trick is you, just, you kind of let them do their thing, let them get comfortable. And then you just keep rolling and you because shoot. kids will reveal themselves and, you know, I'm curious about that with like Stranger Things because it's like I'm sure those kids have become friends at this point, and, yeah. and there's moments where you just like get them in a room and let them record for a little bit, and they'll probably give you some give you some magic. Something really but, good, uh, yeah, because those kids yeah. are also really talented. And uh, I, but I think I say with Guardians of the Galaxy, I mean, I think that cast knows each other so well by the ending. It's like they built this kind of dynamic. Yes, uh, brings it around. But since we yeah. talk so much about being creative, I can talk about the sad story. <laughs> Naturally, yes. Uh, so in talk 2012, being- almost 20 years ago, a little more than 20 years ago, 2012. Uh, uh, 10 years ago, oh, I'm sorry. Jesus. Ten years ago. Oh my Whew. God. Oh, 11 years ago, uh, there was a period uh, where you thought your time and comics Yeah, I thought I was, was done. Man, where do I begin? Okay, so I'm going to rewind a bit. We're actually going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell, I'm going to start Aaron, 2011. You know what? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to start 2011. Yeah, I have okay. to think about this. Whew. All right, so, you know, in 2011, I was, I was making books. Like I had done some graphic novels and I had a couple books coming out. Like I had an image book that was coming out and I had done uh, the Uncharted comic book uh, for Wildstorm slash DC, you know? Yeah. And I had been doing all of these like short stories. So I would do like, you know, a little eight pager here, a 10 pager there. I was doing these things. They're called inventory for DC. Mm, where it's like okay. they basically hire you for test comics and it's like, oh, if this... It's a good place to test people out and then decide, are you going to put them on something else? And, you know, they let you know how they are as a creator. And then yeah. they can slot it in. They used to slot them in, you know, like it'd be a thing where like, oh, we have a, we have a problem with the schedule. We're going to put this issue, in, you know, gotcha. to, to help out. And so I did a couple of those. I, I did them for uh, mostly for Batman Superman, like mostly for the Batman Superman book. Um, and like I did, I did an issue with Damien and Supergirl. That was one yes. of them. But I, I did a few of them. That one, that was the one that actually got published. Was that? One. Uh, but there were a couple other ones that just you know, I got paid for them. And they got put in a drawer. But that, again, they're just test runs. Yeah. And so I done that. I did a couple things here and there. I had good relationships with people at DC. I like that. I was pitching for all these different books. Um, 
I had pitched for a bunch of different stuff and, and talking to them. But again, I had like a good relationship with DC. Yeah. And, uh, but I was doing stuff at Image and I had had conversations with like Skybound and conversations with Dark Horse. Like it was definitely like, but things were slow. Like this was really early on. Right. And remember like my whole life, I wanted to work for DC Comics. Like I yep. love Marvel. I really love Image. I love Crater All, but I had this goal of DC. Yeah. And, and then New 52 happened. And, and here's the thing about New 52. I had so many friends. So like, it wasn't a secret among creators, right? Before it was announced, like yeah. they were reaching out to people. Cause obviously like, Oh, hey, this guy, you know, like Scott's going to do Batman. Yep. You know, Grant's going to do Superman. And you know, they were, they were going out to people. Yeah. And I had a few friends that were all getting hired on to do different books. And I would hear about them. I like got a convention. Somebody like, oh man, they just offered me this book. Or, oh, you know, we would be talking about this on the phone. Oh, they offered me this. And this guy's doing this. This guy's doing this. And it was a lot of big names, but there were a lot of creators that I felt, and I think I was wrong, but a lot of creators I thought were at my level. Like I was at their level. But I think, yeah. I think they were all like a step ahead of me in a lot of ways. Sure. And again, I had good relationships with everybody. And I was pitching and like Nailbiter had been, I've been waiting on Nailbiter from Vertigo to find out if it was accepted or not. And uh, it was just a, yeah, it was, it was a weird time. Yeah. And every day they announced, like, like you know, Nipsey 2 is kind of, I don't want to say rushed, but, you know, I think we all know the story. So as, as everyone was getting jobs, I was like, well, I should get a call. Yeah. I'm doing books at DC. I'm doing stuff. I had to work with it. Yeah, you have your foot in the I door. Think, What's the point of not going yeah. through the door if I got my foot in it? Come on. Yeah, I, might, I definitely have my foot in the door. And, uh, but again, I thought I had a really good relationship with them. Yeah, and when I look back at it, I recognize I wasn't, I wasn't ready. That was definitely part of this. I wasn't ready. Gotcha. Um, but when that was announced, I feel like part of my brain broke. broke. Like when, <laughs> when New 52 was like fully announced, it was fully up and running, like that San Diego. Yeah. I was talking to editorial a lot. And I did talk to them about like potentially doing stuff in New 52 and working on these books. Yeah. And it just wasn't, uh, it wasn't coming together. And I feel like, yeah, I feel like I will always look back at that moment in 2011. Um, I was also going through a divorce when this was happening. So you so, could have been, things may have been, seemed a little more dire there's, or... Skewed. Yeah, there's lots of going on in my head. And, yeah. and I think, you know, my, my brain just broke at some point in that, you know? Yeah. And I, I definitely was like in a, not a great place when it came to yeah. a lot of stuff. And so when we get around to New York Comic Con, you know, I'm there and, and everyone's like celebrating Goofy 2 and it just launched. And everyone's doing their books and I was hanging out with them because I'm friends with all of them. So I was hearing right. all these stories, hearing all this stuff, editorial. I'm, I'm still hanging out with editorial. You know? And that I'm has to be kind of, and, but that has to be like internally demoralizing because everyone's like, yeah, and I'm doing oh, this dude. and I'm doing that. And you're like, yeah, guys, and I'm not. Like it's and just I'm not. me and, and all of you. Like, Yeah, and I think there was, there was some definitely maturity issues that I had during that time period too. Like I, I feel like I wasn't, I wasn't there on multiple levels, but like, I remember we did the signing. They did this signing for basically New 52, and I was like, you know, my friends. And it was definitely like a, like, I am not a part of this. Yes. You know, I'm here, I'm listening. Like but I was also so desperate to be a part of it. And I was the big right. pieces. I was so desperate of like, I just want to be here. And I didn't really focus in on the stuff you need to focus in on as a creator of like, well, what am I actually, what's the story I want to tell? What characters right. do I want to work on? Like, what do I actually have to say? 
Um, and I was still in that zone where I felt like I was very much like a mimic. Like I hadn't figured out who I was as a creator. I hadn't figured out my voice yet. Yeah. And I hadn't figured out what I wanted to do yet. And so at New York Comic Con, I'm just like talking to the editors. I'm at the, I'm at the offices, like everything, right? And uh, then about a week or two after I get this call from an editor, and they're like, we're going to give you voodoo. You're going to take over voodoo. You know, and, and they're like, you're going to do voodoo. Uh, of the Wildstorm the- name of from Wildstorm. Yeah, from Wildstorm. Yeah, they're like, in here, it was already running. Yeah. And they were like, here's the outline, basically. Here's what you're going to do. And I was like, great, let's go. Just because I was so desperate. So hyped. You've been, you've, been, yeah. you've been ramped up over the last but couple yeah, of Yeah, but I was like, I just want to be in the building. Yeah, exactly. Like, it, didn't, it didn't matter what it was. I wanted to be in the building. Right, yeah. And, and so I, 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 I got it. But I, again, I just want to work for DC Comics. And I see this as an opportunity to now be in the conversation. Now I'm in the meeting now. Again, this is like end of 2000, 2011. This is sort of the end, right? So I, uh, I get the job uh you know and i start working on it and again i have a good relationship with editorial i'm getting along with editorial i'm getting along with my editors and creators and sammy basri who's this like amazing artist is drawing it he's crazy talented and uh like i was having a good time but i was also just kind of doing what i was told like okay. that was a big a big piece of it i see you know? so yeah and, you were be they were handing you things you were taking them but this is not you- a knock on anyone that was in editorial at that time and, and oh, of course it was just like I was also very young, not just in terms of as a person, but I was also young as like a creator. I had young done a creator. bunch of stuff for yeah. other publishers, but it was like still trying to figure things out. And I was, yeah. I was a little bit too much of a people pleaser in that moment. And I think there were certain things about what I wanted from DC that I was also afraid of, uh-huh. of asking for, right? Which we'll get to that in, okay. in 2012. So then I'm in 2000, 2012, comes around. And I'm working on Voodoo. I'm also doing like, I'm still doing fillers. I'm still doing inventory. I'm doing whatever they give to me. Yep. And uh, yeah, I was working on stuff and I had already written the first five issues of Ghosted. So Ghosted was a creator book I was working on. Yeah. And I had started working on it. And that in a lot of ways felt like the most me, but I didn't think that's what people wanted. Mm. You know, I was, I was thinking way too much about what I thought people wanted and what I thought right. was expected of me. And I wasn't thinking enough of like me as a creator, what I wanted to do. Yeah. And, and actually just being, you know, having fun to be honest. Like, right. yeah. I mean, I was having fun going to conventions and stuff, having my friends. And now I'm like, cool, I'm working on this stuff and we're talking about things and we're talking about potential crossovers and I'm talking to creators by using their characters and voodoo and they want to use voodoo for something and, and having this good relationship with editorial. And like that, that year is kind of a bit of a blur. Right, because it was like I was mostly working on that and a couple little things here and there, I had little jobs and stuff. Now, my first job ever for the big two was one thing was for Marvel in 2008, and then I did I, I would pitch for Marvel stuff occasionally, and then 2009 was you know, my first DC job. So from 2009 to 2011, I would do little things, little things. I always had something, you know, it might yeah. take some time, but little stuff. So you get to the end of 2012, you go to New York Comic Con, and Voodoo's canceled. All that I, I had known it was canceled since like San Diego. Okay. And I had been talking to editorial about stuff and just nothing was coming together. And so one day, near Comic Con, and I remember walking around and being like, like, I'll I'll get another job. I'll get yeah. another comic job, I'll get something. I, I, but I think 
the reality was that I didn't recognize at the time was it wasn't just that I was just doing what I was told. I wasn't, and again, this is no knock on anyone else. It's, it's all me. Uh, I wasn't doing a good job. Like that's mm. the reality, right? Like I wasn't necessarily uh, doing my best work. And, but again, I was just so happy to be there. Yes. You know, I was, I was just like, yes, I work at DC Comics. And that was the goal. Right. That, that was part was of my mistake. A cosmetic yeah. nature of being in the building, yes. not how you got in the building and not what you do now that you're in the building. Yes. And not doing good story. Exactly. Like, I mean, that was, you know, and, and not trying my hardest. It was like, yeah. well, the goal has been accomplished. And, and this is part of what, again, like some of the stuff with Birthright is actually about is like, what happens when you get what you want? <laughs> what happens next? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and how life can throw you curveballs, which we'll get into that in a minute. Uh, but so, I, I, I go near a comic from 2012 and I am just like slowly becoming aware that like I am, I'm out of work. <laughs> We're getting that slow and, push in from Jaws where it's like, oh dude. no. Yeah. So we go, I go to the office. I, I, I go to the offices the Monday after New York Comic Con and I go to all the editors I know and I'm talking to them and I can just tell it's like that sad, no one wants to say it. Thing, right? Sure. Like you are out. Yeah. And no one wants to straight out say it to me. Nobody wants to say it. And uh, I remember I had a meeting with this editor and his assistant. And they were like, they did ask, what do you want to do? And I, in that moment, and this is the part of me that was scared. I thought, they're never going to give me anything good. They're not going to give me Superman, Batman, Green Lantern, Justice League, anything like that. Yeah. Uh, Flash, whatever. Like, they're not going to give me anything big. And so... I was like, I want to work on a, a demon comic. Mm. And this is not a knock on the demon. I actually really love the demon. Yeah. But I think one of the things I learned from this lesson was that like a new creator pitching a demon series is a non-starter. Yeah. If if I pitch a demon now, or like Tom King or Scott Snyder, you know what I mean? Or James is like, I want a demon. They're like, okay, cool, we'll listen. Yeah, we'll hear okay. the pitch at least. If we'll not, hear the pitch, right? Yeah. But if you're a brand new person, I, oh, Stephen Wacker said this one time. He was like, "We have the we say we have the guidebook too. Like we have it too. Like they they can oh. look through the guidebook and go, what characters don't have books? You know, <laughs> they can do it too. Yeah. Um, you can't just as a creator go through and go like, what does I have a book right now? Oh, like the demon doesn't have a comic. So I'm gonna pitch the demon. That's not necessarily how it works. And I, and I gotcha. one of those I learned in that process was that like, oh, well, if you um, it's easier to say, I would like to write a Superman story. And they're like, yes. cool, let's do an inventory. Let's do, we have anthologies. Right. You know, we have these opportunities to help you out. Or, oh, you want to do a Green Lantern thing? Oh, okay, let's do like the Green Lantern mini or a one shot. Or, hey, you know, maybe a filler issue. It's right. easier to do than that. And so I just basically, in a long story short, in that moment, I blew that meeting completely. Sure, yeah. And, and that was, and what you didn't know is that's the meet, that's just the only meeting you're going to get at DC. That was, that was probably it. Yeah, that was my last chance, basically. Yeah, and so I'm walking around. I see Dan. I see these people, and I can just tell like I'm becoming that person in the office. It's just there, mm-hmm. and so I'm like, all right, I gotta go. And so I start walking out, and I run into somebody. I'm not gonna say who they are, because uh, I actually like this person a lot. I told the story before, and I said who it was. So if somebody wants to find out, they can they can probably <laughs> they can find out through it. And yeah, but it was somebody very very high up at uh, DC at the time. Not a writer. Not a writer to be clear. Um, and uh, they saw me. And I got along with them. And they basically, you know, they, they were like, oh, are you heading out? And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm moving. Like, cool, I'll walk you out. Hmm. And so they walk me out and I get to the streets of New York and they basically like pat me on the shoulder and gave me a good luck kid. And then closed the door. <laughs> and I remember standing there being like, 
did I just get fired? Right? I got fired. Like I was, I was not just out, but it was like, like they it wasn't like you you're out. out, like you were, you're out. <laughs> yeah, like you're I, out I felt the door. Like, oh, you're the, the door shut behind yeah, you. You're I'm, on the mean I'm streets of New York City. <laughs> it's like it's cold. Yeah, yeah, it's over. Yeah, and uh, so I went. You know, I went, went home. And again, this is October of 2012. Yeah. So I go home and I take stock. I go, okay, what, what work do I have right now? And yeah. I was like, okay, I finished Ghosted in August. Yep. Uh, Captain Midnight hadn't started and I didn't know who was going to start. I had wrote like a three-parter that was going to be in Dark Horse Presents, but I wasn't sure if it was, I actually hadn't finished it. So I wasn't sure if Dark Captain Midnight was actually going to happen or not. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, so it's October. And I'm just sitting there being like, oh man, I am. I'm out of work yeah. and not only am I out of work, but that thing that I thought I wanted, I blew it. Yeah. You know, I don't want to say taken away from me. I blew it. Sure. So it was like, right. The Cause thing they, I had wanted, they met you halfway. They were like, well, give me, it was almost like, yeah, maybe they weren't yeah. even taking pitches. They just were like, let's, you know, he's in the room. Let's hear yeah, what him. you got. What do you got? What has he got? What has he got in the tank? He's yeah, got to feel it by it. now. And you, but yeah. man, after that, it became, it was really hard. And again, like I was, was I mean, I was going to be broke. Right. You know, it was like, oh, I, no work, no money. Uh, I had divorced. been basically working. What's that? Oh, Recently I just divorced. got divorced. Yeah. Yeah. So I just got home, divorced. I like you're just. No, I had moved into, I moved into an apartment in, in Portland. It was great. I really liked it. I had a, a, a life in a lot of other ways was good, but it was like, it was definitely a weird moment in life of, of change. Yeah. Right? Where it was like a lot of disappointment, a lot of things. And in a lot of ways, you know, with DC and some other things, it was just very, very heartbreaking. Yeah. And it got worse from there, to be really honest with you. You know, it was like because I had built all these friendships and comics that I'll be really honest with you, they all disappeared. Uh, like yeah. a lot of people I was friends with, not all of them, but I, I still had some friends in that moment. But a lot of people I would talk to on the regular who either worked at DC or worked in comics in general, they just stopped talking to me. Yeah. It was like I was a pariah suddenly. Right. Yeah. And I understand some of that is because it's like, you know, when you're in it, you oftentimes are talking about stuff that is like company secrets. Exactly. And you don't, you can't, you know, I became this like un, unknown factor in that. But dude, I mean, literally like people who I would talk to on the regular suddenly just Stop taking my call. Ghosted. And yeah. it was like, yeah, ghosted me like crazy. And there were some editors too. And some of them were still talking, but I could tell I was like an annoyance. Was the best yes. way to put it. Yeah. And uh and so it was that, but also a lot of creators. I mean, again, they just stopped talking to me. Mm-hmm. Completely stopped talking to me. And that was really hard because it was like, you know, you think they're your friends, and then it's yeah. like, oh, well, now they're they're gone. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, you get closer and closer to Christmas. And I remember having this moment. I got, it was, uh, uh, it was Thanksgiving and I was alone on Thanksgiving. And I was like, man, I got things like I got invited to a couple of their creators that were having a breakfast, having a dinner. So I hung out with them, but it was all couples. And me is like the one single guy <laughs> hey. who's also broke. And I'm just like so <laughs> thankful because like they're cooking dinner. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're and, not going um, out to dinner. We're not, you're not, you're not, you don't have to chip in. It's just kind of like, oh, no, oh man. God. It was yeah. a moment where I had just like not been smart, been smart that year. So, right. You're doing <laughs> for the end of the year, and I'm like, you know. And, and then um, I'm really thankful I happened to get uh, royalties on Uncharted. Uh-huh. And those royalties, I was like, oh my God, this is going to, this is going to take me through the rest of the year. But then I got to, I need to figure something out. Yeah. 
And I wasn't sure what I was going to do. And I remember on Christmas, I went home uh, to see my family on Christmas, my birthday. My birthday's right before Christmas. Oh, cool. And there was this moment, it was just me by myself in my grandma's guest room on my birthday, eating McDonald's for dinner. (laughs) (laughs) And just being like, man, I, I I was getting closer and closer to rock bottom. Yeah, way, yeah, yeah. Right? Like I could feel it. I could feel it. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't really sure uh, what the future held, but I knew, I knew that something that was really important to me was gone. Yeah. You know, it was things that like, and again, I always struggle talking about careers. And part of why I say that is because of the history of comics. Like comics can be really unpredictable. You know, yeah. it's like you could be real high and then real low real fast. And yes. there are people we've seen who are legends who suddenly come crashing down and not for any fault of their own. Um, yeah. Uh, at the moment, I was, I was, I don't want to use the word angry. I don't want to say angry. Um, and I don't want to say sad, but I definitely was in like a weird mental headspace. Like, when this like bitter? I, like there's kind of bitter. Like- I, bitter is even tough too, because it's like, I, I, I guess I can say bitter. Uh, now I look back at it and I'm like, no, 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 see, I messed up. Like I take right. responsibility for, for the stuff that happened. Exactly. I, I don't no, you weren't, you didn't have hold any grudges, but then even in that moment, no, you, wouldn't, no. you weren't holding grudges. You were just kind of like, you were in a depressive state. You're just like, this yeah, is yeah. And dude, and, 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 and it was hard because the friends that I did have in comics, I could see them, what was happening. Like right. not, not just the retreating, but the other people who I was still talking to were like leveling up, continuing uh, to get better books. They're, pat- they're, they're lapping you. Yeah. They're continuing. Yeah. It was definitely on my left. Like Those everybody folks, was just right? like, you know, <laughs> uh, everybody was, 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 was moving up in ways. Yeah. That Those was... folks that, who got those gigs that you were like, but we were all kind of on the same page. How come you got, I was passed over and you weren't for new 52. And not, they're not just ha- unhappy for them to be no, clear. Of course, happy of course. But like, but we should all be in the same, we should all be in the same heat. Now it's like, yeah, they're, they're, they're not only passing, but they're surpassing. Yeah. And I'm still happy. And I was very happy for them, but it was You're... more of a, like, I wanted to be included still. Yeah, of course. Like that was part of it was like, I still wanted to be in the room. Like I was, it's part of why I don't get any kind of FOMO now because then I had it so bad and I saw how destructive it could be on a creative level. Hmm. Right. And, yeah. and, and so you, know, you get around like January and February and I was able to pick up some work here and there, but I was like, oh, this is getting rough. And this is why I was talking about this last time. I was talking so much about the belly of the whale because that's how I felt. I felt extremely isolated you know, from, from friends, from family, from like the creative community. Like I felt extremely isolated uh, mm. and in some ways not by choice, but then it became my choice. You right. know, I started retreating because I was like, I need to figure something out. Right. Like I, I messed up and these are the ways I messed up. And in some ways I became cockier in that moment too. Like, mm. I think if I look back at 2013 and, and some parts of 2014, I feel like there's definitely parts of my brain where I was a little jaded about it, maybe a little bit. Uh, right, like a I was more like indu- I was in the industry. I know what it's like, but yeah, uh, it'll but, chew you up and spit you out. Comics will break your heart. Yeah, it, I was a little bit like that. Um, right. And you know, it was it was just like a really really hard time. And yeah. uh, what happened was, and this is about again. I think why it's good to kind of shed your ego sometimes, but. It's good to have one, I think, to a certain extent, because it can, it can help you. But I do think at times it's good to shed it. But like years years before, um, I had done some jobs for Ben Abernathy, who's now executive editor, but then uh, yeah. was editor. Uh, I think he was senior editor at the time, actually. Um, but I did this job for him where it was a General Mills job, where it was a serial comics. You know, you would yeah. do these like, you know, comics for serial and stuff. 
and I did one, and there were four of them. I did one of them, and General Mills was really happy with me. You know, Warner Brothers DC, Wildstorm were really happy with me. Ben was really happy with me, and uh, I loved it. it. Was fun. You know, I actually turned in the script for that on my thirtieth birthday, and it was the first time I ever wrote wrote Batman, like wrote Batman dialogue. And <sighs> That's I, cool. You know, but it was always yeah, and, and so two years later, I think uh, General Mills and Warner Brothers like. Wildstorm, they reach out to me and they're like, do you want to do that again? And man, this is the beginning of 2013. And I was like, yes. Like, I would <laughs> yeah. go. And they were like, you have to write. And I was like, can I write all four of them? Mm. And they were like, actually, that's why we're calling you. We want you to do all four, but you have to do all four of them in the month of March. You got you to knock them out. And I was like, let's, let's rock. Yeah. And, and on a life note, one of the things that was really great was I had also really from a, a more personal level, I, I realized that where I was in a lot of ways, I wasn't really value, valuing myself as a person, but also as a creator. And I need to like take a step back from everything. That's part of why I was isolating myself for a while. Yeah. Um, and I've always been comfortable being alone. So I don't have a, I don't have a problem with that, but I definitely recognize I need to like retreat, go into the belly of the whale and, and reflect. Yes. Right. And have a moment of like, what am I doing wrong and, and try to grow, but away from everybody. Uh, right as I was coming out of that is actually when I met my, my wife. Um, and, you know, she's amazing. And one of the things that was really great in that time period was because of the, her job at the time, uh, she basically, I couldn't see her during the week. I could only see her on the weekends. Mm. And I think for both of us in that moment, it really helped with our relationship. That's kind of how it was. You know, it, it like, it definitely helped us sort of be ourselves at the beginning of a relationship. You know, a lot of times you dive in, you dive in so hard, but it allowed us to kind of still maintain our independence as we were getting to know each other. Yeah. Um, but also because my, my work schedule started to ramp up. And so uh, then it's March. It's, it's, it's March. I got that job at General Mills. So I did that. And, and then I was like, that's it. Um, there's no more DC work. Like yeah. I, I don't see it coming. I don't have it. I don't have it. Um, I went and like I started working on Nailbiter. I had been working on Nailbiter. Now here's the one of the kicks for Nailbiter. Nailbiter actually got rejected at the beginning of 2012. Really? Like it was rejected. It was I pitched to Vertigo. They rejected it once at the beginning of 2012. The beginning. Yeah. And when I was at DC again at the end of 2012, we started talking about it again. Like, hey, we might consider it again. And I was like, great, that's awesome. They rejected it again. <laughs> So that was what I thought was my last chance at DC. And they were like, nope, you're out. Like, that's, yeah. again, I'm out, completely out. Yep. And so, you know, I, I started working on Nailbiter. I pitched Birthright by accident almost to Skybound. Because I uh -huh. Ghosted was working and they're like, well, do you want to do anything next? And I'm like, well, I have this idea for this book. I just kind of bullshit the book idea. Yeah. While walking the floor of WonderCon, like looking through the bins at back issues, I tell Sean Makowitz, who's now a publisher of Skybound, but at the time was editor, I told him then, I'm like, oh, I was the idea of this book. And I told it to him. And then like a week later, he calls me and he's like, do you want to do it? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, let's go. You know, I was like, are you sure it's 50 issues long? And he was like, yeah, we want to do all 50. And I'm like, all right, let's go. Ah. Uh, so, you know, I, I suddenly, you get around to like Cineo Comic Con time and it was like, Ghosted launches, does well. And it's the first time I feel like that's really a little bit more of me on the page. I'm still learning. I'm still figuring some stuff out. But Ghost of comes out. Captain Midnight launches. It actually did work out. And so that launches. Yeah, you got 25 issues uh, at Midnight. So it's like... Yeah, it did. Yeah. And then I get a... Uh, yeah, it was two years. It was, it was good. And I learned a lot from that. 
too. I'll bet. Yeah. Um, I feel like I was always training in the field. This is one of the things I learned about this from time, bro. I was always like I was training in the field. Uh, and so, you know, that happens. And then Dark Horse is like, do you want to do a Predator book? And then Boom was like, do you want to do Robocop? Robocop? Like, all these things started coming together. And um, I, didn't I remember being in this before Robocop. What's that? Did you do a Predator book? I don't remember you doing a Predator book. Yeah, I did a four-issue Predator book. Yeah. It was part of a big crossover with Prometheus, Alien. Oh, it was the Alien oh, Predator. I see. That's why. Yeah, I missed it. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Fire, part of the whole thing. Fire and Stone. Yeah, okay. Yes, dude. Yeah, yeah. I have the hardcover <laughs> out somewhere. Like big omnibus. I, got, did. I think I have it on the shelf. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, uh, you know, I, I, I was working. I was working. You're working, working and, and on like high-profile stuff too. So it's yeah, like, but I also here. was like figuring out who I was. Yeah. Like I was still learning the field. I feel like. You know, I was telling you, uh, I was dictating. You're just, you're just like, this is me. This is what I've got. Yeah, what yeah, yeah. And I was just, I was having fun. And that actually goes back to something we were talking about, the high evolutionary, where it was like, I'm not aiming for perfection. I'm not trying to be technical. I'm, I'm, I'm doing my own thing and having yeah. fun. And and then Nailbiter got picked up. Um, what's funny is Birthright had been in motion. It's, it's so weird with Birthright and Nailbiter because Birthright had been in motion six months before Nailbiter got picked up by Image. Yeah. But then Birthright actually came out almost six months after Nailbiter <laughs> did, number one. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Um, but it worked out. I feel like that was actually the, the right sequence. Yeah. Uh, but Nailbiter, I felt like, because Nailbiter was rejected by so many publishers. And, yeah. you know, it was the one in my gut. And some of it was like, you know, one publisher didn't like Mike's art. But I was like, no, Mike's the guy. It's, yeah. it's Mike. Mike is the guy. And... uh and I, I just remember being like, no, nail biter is it. I could feel it in my gut. This is the book. This is the book. Yeah. This is the book. So it, uh, you know, it actually, you know, comes out. Nail biter comes out. So now we're into like 2014. So nail biter comes out. But I have like zero connection to DC other than a couple of creators, a couple of editorial. Well, and and, and know, Ben Abernathy, I, right? Like you got, you did the other No, Ben Abernathy book. left. Oh, that's right. Yeah. He left. He, he left DC and he went to Mayfire. Uh, we both, he, he actually left both, he, he left, I want to say he, he left probably right after Uncharted was done. So he was gotcha. pretty much gone by the time I was really in there. And I think I told you before, I had pitched him a Green Arrow thing mm-hmm. back in 2010. And a big part of that is in the Green Arrow book now. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it was, it was weird because I still felt a little bit outside yes. of comics in a weird way. Right. And I was still kind of doing my own thing, but, you know, Nailbuyer did did well birthright did really well ghosted did really well you know like kept midnight was doing well um but i did not really talk to anybody at dc i, I had a few friends that, that were still kind of around i would talk to them a little bit but there's also you know editorial changes fair changes turnover all this stuff and yeah and i just i just wasn't really there this is, this is also one of the reasons why i think you know and i could be honest about this is why usually too is like a little bit of a blind spot for me like i know right. it I know it pretty well now, but it was like at the time I wasn't reading the books outside of Batman and Flash. Yeah. Uh, part of it was because I was I was a little angry, I guess I could say that. And I was like, <laughs> I'm not buying this. Not reading their... It was, they don't want me part of it. If you what's happening in Marvel in that time period, I could totally tell you. But oh, like, yeah. I, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't really reading a lot of stuff and I and I was a little angry about things. And so I started getting a little Marvel work here and there too. And I, I started heading in that direction. I wasn't sure if that was the right fit. Um, because I always felt like DC was home to me that I got yeah. kicked out of. And, uh, and again, it might, my, my mistake, right? right? Like I had, I had messed up, but, uh, it still was like a part of my heart was gone because it's like, 
when you're, you know, you're thinking about like your childhood dreams and the things that you really want. And then you're like, oh, here's this, this goal I had. And I basically, I flew too close to the sun. Like right. I was, and I wasn't even there yet. You know what yeah. I mean? I had just like, gotten like a foot off the ground and those wings melted, you know? Yeah. And, and, uh, but because I built bad wings, you know, right. that's, you know, and so, so that time was hard. So it was, I didn't work at DC for about three years yeah. and I was, uh, I was like, I'm never going back. Like, mm. it, it will, and I remember at the time being like, not only am I never going back, they're never going to let me back. Right. Like I, I felt like the door was closed. You know, I yeah. made the decision, like, I'm not going back. And I was like, they're never going to take me back. Yeah. I would email editors and I would get like, I would email a pitch. I think in 20, yeah, in 2013, I would email a couple pitches in and I'd be like, I like this pitch. And I would never hear, you know? So it's just like, oh, it's very clear that I am just not there. And I, and I definitely felt like, you know, I always get a really bad vibe when I did talk to them. So I was like, this is never going to happen. I will yeah. never work there again. Well, and it's, it's, and it's moralizing. Like, I have to like throw yourself out there and, and know you're getting back like so, soft rejections or even just kind of like not pity, but you know, just kind of like a, Oh, pity is probably the best way to put it. Dude. And there you like, go. Like I mean, pity replies where it's like, Oh yeah, I God, learned. No, I'd rather you just go. You know, I was like, I will reply. Like, <laughs> yeah, I will never. Yeah. Don't be nice to me. That was, that was it. You know? And I think, uh, I learned in that stuff of like, you, you never beg. And I think I had a lot of emotional immaturity I needed to go through as well. Sure. In that time period. Like, like especially 2012, 2015, particularly. Yeah. Like, I feel like I'm a drastically different person now than I was in that time period. And, totally. you know, thankfully, especially once I get around like 2013, 2014, you know, and, and I think like, obviously some personal life stuff soared up and things got a little better, got a lot better there, you know, and yeah. it's like, <laughs> you know, finances, my wife is amazing. You know, it's like all these things kind of came together. And then, but I was like, dude, I'm never going back and they're never going to have me back. And I, and I definitely felt like, Oh, that was a dream that is gone. Yeah. Like, it is gone. Now, and, you, uh, yeah. But I was going to say, did you then go time to make up some new dreams now to come up with something new or did you dude, go? Yeah, I was allowed right. to create our own books. You know, yeah. that was nail buyer. That was birthright. That was ghosted. You know, that was a lot of things that wanted uh and i was like this is it like i'm gonna be working on her own stuff and, yeah and i started heading in the marvel direction uh because there were editors there that i liked and there were creators there that obviously right. you know i've been influenced by and i really well, liked you did what if there. and uh, uh the, the illuminati yeah. and red the illuminati which we could talk about that and all this stuff yeah because i really like you know i like Hickman, i like this era. i really like bendis you know there were a lot of editors there that i really liked like at the time you know steven wacker who's an editor i, I really have a lot of respect for he was still there and uh, he gave me some, some harsh advice one time. I'm not going to say what it was, but he gave me a talking to that I kind of needed in 2013 gotcha. a little bit that actually kind of woke up some stuff in my brain. I mean, basically he kind of was like, and this is the thing that I, how do I put this in the best possible way? It isn't, he, he is great, but he basically gave me the like, what are you bringing to the table conversation? You know, because I think a lot of creators are like, I made a comic book. That means I should get a job with the big two now. You know what I mean? I, I see yeah, it's all like, well, how does that benefit me? Yeah. Well, it's not just that, but it's like, yeah, a lot of people make comic books this year. Like, there, you have yeah. to add more. And, and a lot of times, you have a story to tell. You know, it's like, yeah. I, I've, I've learned this from other creators where they're like, they just kind of, they want the job because they, it's the same problem I have. They see it as a status thing, not as a, like, I have a story to tell. Right, right. And I think that was something I learned from Wacker was like, just showing up 
and saying, I want to write this character doesn't mean anything. Like, what's the story you want to tell? Like, yeah. what is the thing you were doing? You know, and so him, but I, I really like Tom Brevoort a lot. I think Tom Brevoort is like one of the greatest editors of all time. And so I, had, I really wanted to work with him. And so I was going in that direction a little bit, but there was always this part of me. That, like, again, I was like heartbroken, you know, yeah. like the one that got away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you get around to like, like spring of 2015, you know, and uh, Scott Snyder comes up to me at a convention and he is just like, you know, you should try to come back. Hmm. You should try to come back. You should try to come back to DC. And I was like, <clears throat> no. Right. They will never, it will never happen. And I'm like, I'm telling Scott, I'm like, Scott, as my friend, I'm telling you this, like, <laughs> that will never happen. He's like, you should yeah. try. You should try. Like, put in, put in, I'll put in a word or whatever. And I was like, no, I don't need that. I don't need that. Right. Like, please don't, please don't. I'm not going, I'm not going back. And he was like, you should try. And I was like, all right, well, what do you think is available? And he was like, well, there's this, there's this, there's this, you know? And he's like, I don't know. Like, what do you want to do? And he was like, you know, would you ever want to write Flash? And I was like, yeah, I love Flash. I would write Flash. I have Flash ideas. I have a story from Flash. I have all kinds of things. Yeah. But it will never happen. It will never happen. Uh, and... But I had a, a friend, another friend who worked for DC. He, he didn't work in a creative space. He's a creative person, but he didn't work in a creative space. He worked in a different part of DC. Um, he's, he's like a, a genius. Uh, but he he knew the sales of my books. This is a big piece of the puzzle. Uh huh. He knew what the sales were on Nailbiter and Birthright and Ghosted. He knew the sales of them. He saw, he saw what the trades were selling. Uh -huh. And how they were like the Nailbiter Volume One trade was in like the top ten. Birthright was number one the month it came out. There was like the trades were doing really really well. Yeah, and he knew that, so he went to Dan and was like, "Listen, look at this, look at this. Yeah, like we should try." And Dan was like, "Okay, we'll have a meeting." <clears throat> and uh, so sitting at Comic Con, I go meet with Dan. I told the story a million times. But I meet with Dan. <laughs> yes and, and he takes you yeah. in the back you're in that little that little space yeah, on the little floor. Room, I'm sweating you're in the yeah. booth you're yeah because you had to run over there because you're behind i had to run i was sweating yeah and, and then and you I, just yelled at him for I 10 minutes Dan, without yeah. breathing yeah and he yeah was but like, what he said no and, and i and i hear the thing is he was like oh you know we have these one shots we have this mini it was basically 2011 all over again it was like right. we have these things and i was like no i'll tell you what i want i want the flash and only the flash and that's yeah. it if I don't get the flash, there's no conversation. And I wasn't being asked about it, but I was like, this is it. This is how because I feel. I, to me, in that moment, it. yeah, and I, in that moment, I'm like, I know what I'm doing. Yeah. And I feel like if I'm going to be here and you're asking me what I want now, I'm going to tell you for real. Exactly. I messed yeah. up before, but also I, as a creator and as a person, I had grown so much over those three years that I was like, no, 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 this is what I want. You know? Exactly. And Dan said no. And then he gave me notes, but then three months later, I went in and was also secretly in my back of my brain i was like i'm going back into new york comic-con and now it's 2015 just so three years after i basically had been you know out yeah and, and i'm going in and my wife's pregnant we just got married now i find out like a few days before the question this is pregnant ghosted is ending yeah had, had ghosted had ended actually ghosted had ended captain midnight ended um i was doing books at marvel but it wasn't working out like and so I was like, oh man, like I need to find an ongoing book at some point yeah. in this process. Or it's right? going to happen all over again. Yeah. 
popping all over again. And I was so nervous about that. I'm like, oh my God, am I going to get history? Uh, part of being a creator and looking for these cycles is you also look for the cycles in real life. Yeah. And it can be terrifying when you're like, oh my God, am I about to repeat, thematically repeat something from three years ago? Right. Am I going to be in my grandma's uh, guest room again? <laughs> I know, dude. I was like, oh my God. So I, I go to, um, I have a meeting with Dan and I, much more, you know, calmer meeting. Yep. And I pitch him, Flash, this is what I want to do. And I remember, you know, Speed Force, Storm, the whole thing, right? Godspeed, all that stuff. And and, and Dan slams hand the desk and he's like, let's do it. Oh. And I was like, wait, what? What's happening? <laughs> um, and there was a whole process of, of getting there. But I remember I was in the building. Um, I went there to visit. Uh, I, was in, I was in LA to do other stuff. I was actually working on uh, some stuff for Skybound at the time. And so I was in LA to do that. Um, and there was a couple other things that were going on, but I was like, I'm going to go by DC. And I actually got to meet with Dan for like all of two minutes. But here's the thing about this story about meeting Dan. <laughs> Dan is like, I need more time. I need more time. And I was like, this is not going to happen. Like, this is it. And so here's the funny thing about this. So about repeating history. I was supposed to meet Dan at 3.30. 3.30 in the offices in Burbank. I got there a little early. And I thought I was going to sit there outside of his office. He had these chairs, you know, or just hang out for a minute, you know? Yeah. I get there. I see Dan. Dan's like, how long are you in town for? And I'm like, I'm leaving tomorrow. And he's like, okay. He's like, well, I need a little more time. Just give me a little bit more time. And I was like, and it's not Tuesday. It was not Tuesday. And he's like, are you here Thursday? And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm going to go home. I actually have a signing on Saturday on the other side of the country. So yeah, I'm not <laughs> going to be here. And he was like, okay, okay. And, but he was like, I need more time. But I'm thinking, oh man, he's stalling. This is not going to happen. Yeah. Again, my meeting with Dan was at 3.30. And he's like, what else are you doing today? I was like, this is it. I'm meeting you. And he was like, okay, great. Let me walk you out. Oh, and he no! walked me out of the Burbank building. Gets me outside the Bank building. And he's like, just give me some more time. We'll talk soon. And he walks back in. And I'm standing outside the building. And what's funny is Dan was asking me questions that were very telling that I didn't realize. He's like, what's your schedule like? How yeah. are things going? You know, how quick can you get scripts in? When can you work? All this stuff. And I was answering him like, well, I have room for this. I can do this, I can do that. I'm pretty open for this, this, and this. And he was like, okay. But dude, when I was standing outside the building, I looked at my phone, 329. Ugh. I, like, basically I was like, oh yeah, this is never happening. Yeah, this is, what this, I am this is the DC, this is the, this is the New York City meeting all over again. He, did, he, he just didn't pat you on the back. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and so I went home and then Thursday night, I got a call from DC and what's funny is I recognize now what happened was Dan was waiting until Thursday, I had a meeting on Thursday about it ah. and he didn't tell me that. And so when that meeting was over, it was like, Hey, we actually need to get back here. How soon can we get back? And I'm like, I can be back on Tuesday. It right. was a Tuesday before Thanksgiving. Oh yeah. That's, and okay. they were like, you gotta, can you come back? And I was like, yeah. So I flew in on uh, Tuesday morning, I flew to LAX, went to Burbank, which is an awful drive. Yes, it is. Um, <laughs> I get to Burbank, I go in, and uh, I was nervous because Dan, oh, not Dan, the editor had told me, the editor was like, you're going to have to go and pitch your flash plan to this entire room of people. So I'm super nervous about that. And I'm like, and, and dude, I remember that summer. So I'm going to rewind a little bit. That summer, even the prospect of working for DC again, yeah. It was challenging for me. Like sure. it was 
it was a bit of a like I don't say I was gun shy, but I definitely was like, am I willing to go through this again in a way? Right. And how do I approach this differently? Yeah. And I had to do a lot of like before even going to New York Comic Con and going to do any of this stuff and, and going back in, in into working for DC, I had to do like a lot of soul searching is basically yeah. the best way to put it, you know, of like can I do this? And and this is a thing I think you'll recognize. Like when you're working at Marvel in DC, the pressure is very different. It's very intense. It's very hard. And and Creator Own has its own challenges. And I respect it. Obviously, I do it. I have friends that do it, and it's own yeah. challenge. There is a machine that you are walking into is very different, mm. and it can be really hard on people, and it can really try you in a way. Like we talk about the grind, all that kind of stuff. It can be really uh, just challenging. I'll put it like that on, on yourself. And I was like, am I willing to do this again? You know, was, I was like, oh my God. So um, being there and being like, okay, now I have to go and pitch my flash this like room full of people. And uh, I was like, okay, I can do this. I can do this. So I had my, I was, I was so pumped, ready to go. I was hyped, man. I was like, let's do this. Let's do this. Yeah. You know? And I get in there and I, uh, there's nobody there. The room is empty. Nobody there. And I am like, what is happening? <laughs> like, what am I doing? Yeah. And on the wall, there's a line. It's like flash line. And it has issue numbers and then the characters. And it basically was my pitch, but like kind of broken down of like, here are the characters I'll watch. Like it's something my outline. There's way more to this story about this whole process, but I'm gonna keep it shorter to get to the more sure. emotional stuff of it all. But so then, um, you know, Jeff walks into the room, and I actually hadn't spoken to Jeff. Like I've known Jeff for a long time, but I actually hadn't spoken to Jeff over five years. So not even in the three years being gone, but in the for a long time I hadn't spoken to. Him. Yeah. Like I think the last time him and I saw each other, I, I, outside of a like hi, you know what sure. I mean. Um but I hadn't seen him in easily five years. And uh, he walks in and, you know, I shake his hand. I say, hi, how are you? And, you know, and, uh, and then the editor is there and he's like, oh, you guys know each other. And I'm like, yeah, I've known Jeff for a long time, but I'm like, I haven't seen him. We haven't, we haven't spoken to each other in five years. And Jeff was like, five years, isn't that right? And I'm like, oh yeah, that's right, dude. But also <laughs> my head, I was like, at least three, because I know I haven't spoken to a single person at DC in at least three years. Yeah. Um, but I said, I said it to the editor and to Jeff, I was like, I actually met Jeff right when he got the job on. Like he had just started writing it. And yeah. Jeff was like, yeah, yeah. And now you're writing the flash. And that was the first time somebody said those words. Right. And we got to work. We started talking. I didn't pitch to anybody. We just, we sat down. We started talking about the story. I started telling Jeff stuff I was thinking. He was going over my outline. We were talking about it. Dan walked in at one point. How's everything going? <laughs> I'm like, I'm good. Jeff's like, it's going great. Dan gave me a hug, walked out. That was it. Nice. I was like, oh man, they know something I don't know. Like, you know what I mean? It was like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. they figured it out. Um, but I, I, there was something I always get on my skin when, when somebody would say like, oh, they thought I got the job on the flash because I knew Jeff. And I'm like, Ugh. dude, that's how it happened. What happened was five years. Exactly. It, what happened was it all comes out of this. That sounds silly. It all comes down to, well, it was the pitch because I pitched a story. Yeah. I didn't pitch, and it's not, I know it's a lot of characters. I didn't pitch me on Flash. I pitched a story for Flash. Yes. And, uh, but what got me that job and got me that meeting was the sales on my trade. Birthright. And or in my no industry, yeah. the birthright. Yeah, that is, that is what got me that job. 
that's what you know, that's that what kicked is, the door in it. but what kept you yeah. in the building was the story was a story i i think it was a lot with with creators where they're like well the pitch is me doing it it's like no 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 what is the story you're yeah. telling and that was the lesson i learned every once in a while you stumble with that you know it's like you could have other goals but really my my goal was to tell this story yeah. and i had something to say about barry allen right you know and so i was like here's what i want to say about barry allen here's what i want to say about this universe this mythology here's what i want to do pitch to them and and then it was it was off to the races after that you know and yeah I I got the job doing Justice League or Suicide Squad. Uh, before I, before Flash Number One even came out, I got offered the exclusive, and I was like, I can do it as long as I can keep doing Birthright and Nailbiter. That was right. the, the thing, you know. And and they were like, you know, yes, that was we we like, That's why you're that. here, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, so that made sense. It's kind of similar what happened when when Jason Aaron was got the exclusive at Marvel. There was a clause he keeps me scalped because it was yes. like everyone loved it. Why would we stop this? You know. And Marvel's um, like, that's not gonna hurt us. It's fine. Like, no, you know, it's, it's yeah, it's there's it's no good. I mean, I feel like that's good like, business, and it shows it like is. good relationships with the creators. So exactly. That. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it's part of why I have become so appreciative of what i do with dc comics mm. like the fact that i get to tell these stories i get to be with these characters and i get to you know it's why i'm so appreciative of like like especially fans and readers really like the readership at conventions and at uh signings and yes but at the end of the day i really i take value of what i'm doing and i recognize how lucky i am to do what i'm doing you know it's it's, it's a really a big part of why i'm so yeah i just i feel like you know, I come to work every day. Right. You know, and I hope that like the fans see that. I hope that the people who love when I say fans, I'm talking about DC fans, not fans of me, I'm talking about like DC fans. Yeah. I hope they can tell that I I don't take it for granted. Right. You know, I really value those characters and I value this universe. And it's like it is why I make sure I show up to work every day. Yeah. You know, like when people ask me like, how do I write so many books? I'm like, dude. <laughs> You know, I, I know what it's like to have all this gone. Yes. And if I have these opportunities, I'm going to take them. You know, That's it's right. like I think I told you last time. It's like I try to read Green Arrow forever and it never worked out. And then the day it works out, it's like, do I have room for this? Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I'm not going to say no because this I'm might not going to say last no. Pick. And don't get me wrong. I ask you, you know, it's like, don't get me wrong. I've said no to stuff. Like I, I've, I've sure. said no <laughs> to projects and books. Uh, Either because I didn't think I was the right person for a book. That's happened a few times where I'm like, no, I'm, I'm not the guy for that. Well, you just didn't have the story, right? It's just like, if you don't have a story well, in your heart true. for that yeah. character or for that idea, yeah. it's like, you know, it's yeah. not worth it. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's like, I learned a lot about myself in that time. I learned about myself as a creator. And it was like, you know, having that up and down. And then again, like just having like, you know, my heart kind of broken in a way and then being able to come back around to it. Uh, yeah. It, it's why I appreciate it so much. It's why I can be very positive and appreciative of the company, but of also, again, like when I go to conventions, but I prefer that kind of interaction, you know, yeah. where I can actually talk to a person opposed to, it's part of why I don't really talk to people on Twitter as much because I feel like it is so much of a, it's not true to me, yeah. for me at least. Like I, I respect people who are that, be, that is their, their place to have their voice. Right. they're just better at it than i am for me it's like no that's a, i don't think that's the true me mm-hmm. you know i'd rather have this like talk to you or do that podcast but really talk to people in person like on the signing floor the yeah yeah on the floor and i i i have a lot of value for what i do you know and i'm very 
thankful for the stuff I've been able to tell, you know, it's like, I've been able to do the flash and do, um, like I did a crisis event, you know, I got to write yeah. Batman. I've gotten to write Robin, who's a character also I, I did really love. I love Damien. Yeah. And then now I get to do Superman, which is like, to me, you know, Superman is like the DC character. I mean, there's Batman. Batman is his own beast, but it's like, dude, I mean, Superman is a whole other, it's a whole other ball game. It is. You know? yeah. It's like, uh, and so it's really, uh, again, like all those experiences of thinking like, oh man, I'm done with DC. And, right. and going through this sort of like weird break in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's the thing I, I do want to stress is like, I don't actually fault anyone at DC in that time period. And I don't yeah. fault anybody in it that was going on because it's like, at the end of the day, it was my responsibility and I didn't show up. And I, like you said, they, they were, they were trying. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I'm trying oh, to look no. back to other moments I messed up, but it's For like, sure. I, I wasn't doing anything and it's a lesson I learned, I think, from, and I, in part, this other people were trying to break into comics. Like, it is about, you can't say yes to everything. You gotta, right. you gotta find yourself in that. And, you know, I remember talking about this with, uh, and it's something I still struggle with at times, trying to make sure I, there's me in the story, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Or Superman, I think Superman is a lot of that. Like, I remember talking about this with Grant once, Grant Morrison, and, and Grant, I'm gonna name drop here for a moment. Oh, Grant. Oh, oh yes, yes, of course. of all time. <laughs> uh, uh, talking to Grant. And, and Grant was like, you know, you need to find yourself. Like that was, that was it. Like they, it, it's always flattering to know that I, I know the history of these books and these characters. Yes. But trying to find myself in it was the key. And I think a lot of ways with Robin and with Superman, you can see that uh, that's me doing that. But it is that thing of like, I still feel like I'm learning in the field. Like I feel like I'm still figuring stuff out bring it back to the apple thing it's like i'm still trying to draw i'm still trying to find my way to draw that apple that's right you know it's like i'm still trying to piece it together uh but again it's why i become so i really do appreciate what i get to do every day yeah. and how i get to do the stuff at dc comics and, and have these conversations with editorial and creators and trying to guide these characters it's why again i value this so much and i value this experience so much because i've seen you know, I wouldn't do that. Like the, the downfall of it, I guess on my end, <laughs> like I saw, yeah. you know, the out and, and, um, it's also why I, I try to be really good about talking to other creators too, like newer creators. I try, yeah. so I'm not always best at it mostly because it can be overwhelming in terms of the amount of emails you get asking for help. But it is why I try to be very honest with people when they ask you for help yes. working in comics. I try to be like, okay, here's what you gotta do. You know, I know it's hard to explain, like <laughs> remember to breathe, remember to breathe you know, yep. and then try to, to find your, your way. But yeah, so that's the story. That was 2012. Story, that friend. was the yeah. thing, but it's like, it's why I really appreciate the fact that I get to do what I do now. And I get to yeah. do these big books for DC because of, because of that, like that process, oh, yeah. I guess, you know, um, you can see the, two, you know, I, yeah, go ahead. The, well, you can see the two roads diverge where like in one, you're where you are now. You've done these things. You're in a place that's mm-hmm, mm-hmm. healthy and happy, and you're 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 yeah. telling your stories. You're being you. You're being your authentic self, mm-hmm. and you're writing. And then there's the other one where, because uh, I mean, like, if you had just listened to your dream, it's like my dream was to work for DC. Yeah. You could have very easily told yourself, "I did it. I did it. I you know, I, I have these books that I wrote for DC." Oh, dude, I heard that, and, uh, that one thing, and then they like they go out and yeah. just go, or you know, like land of bitterness, right? And get frozen, absolutely. And they don't, 
do anything else. Well, like yeah, that moment, uh, you remember that moment in Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, where uh, Alec Baldwin is making fun of everybody in the room, and he just goes, "Yeah, I was a salesman. It's a tough racket." <sighs> it's like that. That could have been, listen, you know, yeah. it's like, yeah, I, I did that comics. all the time. <laughs> <laughs> listen, listen, I, I quote that scene probably way too much. <laughs> but you know, I mean, uh, yeah, dude, it's definitely. I, I, again, that's part of why I just. Yeah, I just appreciate all this stuff, and, and I see it, and, and I'm I'm just thankful for yeah. it. Yeah, I see how I can kind of. Um, and again, it was my fault. Like I was the one that did like blew the meeting. You know, I was right. the one that didn't uh, wasn't being myself. You know, like wasn't. They were waiting uh, for you. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. I don't know if I put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because you know what's funny? I've been in a room that I'm not welcome in. Like I've been in a room. Where like oh, yeah. thanks to somebody else, I'm in that room, and you try to like, you know, strike it out for yourself in that room, and the, you're just you're just met with brick walls because they're yeah. like, who the who the hell are you, and what are you doing here? And it's like you you want to get out of that room as soon as humanly possible, but like, dude, if, if they don't want you in that room, they will find a way for you to find the door. And in this case, like in that case, it seemed like they were looking for opportunity. They were like can we keep this dude in this room? Like all he has to do is say the right thing and do the right, like just be himself. And it's just like, you were, you were telling the wrong, you know, you're telling the wrong jokes, telling the wrong story. You know, it's like just being, well, I just didn't, I, you were being, I was, I, being, you weren't being yourself. Yeah. I wasn't being myself. You know, I wasn't being, I wasn't bringing anything to the table. Like I was just, and that, that too, you know, you weren't showing yeah. your value, you know? Yeah. Well, dude, it's funny you brought the room thing up. There was a time where, uh, there was like a, I, I had heard this. Was a, so 2013 New York Comic Con. So a year after all this was going on, I was definitely feeling like I was still very much feeling very out of DC. Like I was definitely doing, um, oh yeah. So 2013, like Ghosted had come out at the midnight, but like Nailbar and Birthright were, another, were a whole other thing, right? Yeah. So 2013 New York Comic Con was still a little like iffy for me and still feeling isolated from, uh, I felt very isolated from uh, comics still. Yeah, and I went to New York Comic Con, and I was hanging out with a couple of creators, and they were like, "Oh, there's a karaoke thing going on." I'm I'm not a karaoke person. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a lot of friends who absolutely love and kill at karaoke. I am just not it. Yep. Um, but they were like, "We're going to this karaoke thing. Do you want to go?" And I was like, "Well, hang out with you guys, sure. Why not?" Yeah. And we're walking, and as we were walking, another creator walked by, and they were like, "Do not go in that room." And they kept walking past like a ghost. They literally got ghostly warnings. <laughs> Do not go in that room. It was a private, it was a private karaoke thing. Yeah. With another thing, if you're going to someone's private karaoke party, you better be invited. Exactly. We were not invited. <laughs> and we walk in and guess what? It is a DC. Oh, karaoke party. Party. Mm-hmm. I walked in and was like, Oh, Oh my, Oh, Oh my God. And I saw one person I knew I walked up and said, Hey, I good, good to see you. Good to see you. Okay. Bye. And I walked out of that room faster <laughs> than I have ever walked out of the room before in my life. I yeah. I was like a cartoon character. There was a like it was a Josh shaped yep. like hole in the wall of <laughs> <laughs> me getting out of that room um, because I definitely was like, and it was weird. I don't think there was any hostility. There's no hostility there. Sure. It was just I was so uncomfortable because also yeah. I had felt rejected. So it was like I'm already being super awkward about this. Yeah, probably. yeah. I was like, I gotta get out of here. Um, but you know, and it's, it's good. Like I, I definitely have like a lot of good relationships with DC and a lot of creators that I'm, I'm close with, uh, you know, yeah. that later, you know, it's like James and I, uh, oh, yeah. you know, James and I like knew each other, but we didn't start talking until Reber, 
Uh, and that's how that's a person I've talked to. Like he's one of my closest friends. I talk to every day. Same with Tom King, you know. Yeah. Uh, Tom King is somebody I, I didn't meet until Rebirth. And uh, he and I went on a signing together to uh, we went on a signing uh, in Atlanta together and just like bonded, you know, and just yeah. talked a lot about stuff. We talked a lot about uh, five year legion. Uh, and Keith Griffin, <laughs> how Keith Griffin is a genius. Um, you know, and, and and like my relationship with Scott and, and you know, people that I met after really started talking. I knew Scott before, but we didn't really start talking until we were around. But it's like, yeah, you know, we really, uh, it, it was a very different experience post that, you know. Sure. Like, but again, that's why I try to be a little more, I'm a little more aware of the people when they're trying to have really a lot of empathy for yes. creators that are coming up. I try. Um, oh, sure. You know, and I, I recognize Sean's there. Anyway, so that's my sad story. There you go. Uh, well, we got to end on a palate cleanser. We should talk about something fun before we close out so we're not true. talking about sad things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I wanted to ask you this just to, to yeah, so as yeah, a quick palate cleanser. Uh, we've talked about like collectibles and stuff that we enjoy. Do you yeah. have a, what, what's your, what's your trophy? What's your like, I got this. And it's, you know, it could be a signature. It could be a, it could be a statue or a prop. Um, but do you have oh, like a man. thing where you're like, oh, don't be, don't move that. Like, I'll move that. Don't move you that. Know? You know, oh, like, I'll tough. touch that. I don't know. I mean, uh, I had to think about that. I mean, I have some comics and like that. I feel like there's some art stuff, like original art pieces that I'm like, that's, that's something special to me. And, you know, but you're, yeah, you're talking about like the Holy Grail kind of thing. But not well, like, or as, Grail, a, but as a collector, like, as a comic book geek, like you're just like, I got this thing and I got it and it's mine. And, <laughs> and, I, uh, and no one else touch I it. I have to think, I know one thing. I know one thing that's really personal. Um, I have to think about that because I have a couple little things that are definitely like, oh, I have this and it's mine. So special yeah. about it. like I've like mostly art stuff, but one of the things I have here in my office, you, I don't think you can see it here. It's right there. Uh, so birthright. I think we were like a year into birthright, maybe two years into birthright. You can't see yeah. it. I'm not gonna touch it. Okay. No. Uh, <laughs> but I have this thing up here. Um, Andre. Uh, who's also like a good friend. He's an artist on Birthright. He's also an artist on Dark Ride. Great, great guy. Yeah. He uh, had a friend who was a sculptor. And he made an actual bust of Mikey from Birthright, the main character of Birthright. He made a bust like, with yeah. arms and a, it has a, a mace and an axe. Like, it just looks really cool. That's awesome. Uh, it's made of bronze. Oh. And there are only eight in the world. <laughs> That's awesome. And I got it near a Comic Con, and I remember being like, "How am I getting this home? Like, how are you going to get that? Yeah, how do you? I guess ship it. How am I getting this home? And I remember being so nervous it would break. I mean, it's bronze, so I mean, but don't get me wrong. I'm like, I'm still nervous about it breaking. Totally. Uh, it's one of those things that when it, when I move offices or I move it, I am more afraid and careful with anything else because it is it you know irreplaceable. Uh, yeah. I have one. Andre has one. Matt has one. Robert Kirkman has one. Uh, one of the editors, uh, she has one. Uh, one of the original editors, she has one. Uh, the sculptor has one. Um, Sean Kirkham, who used to work at Scum, has one. And I think that's it. I feel like I can't remember who has the eighth one. I had to, to think about it. Oh, uh, Adriano. Oh. I think Adriano and Pat. So basically, the creative team has one, and there's four others. I'm trying to remember the whole thing. Yeah, there's eight. I think that's the math of it. But yeah, I. Yeah, there's eight of them. I can't remember if Pat Dollar. I feel bad if Pat didn't. <laughs> I'll have to ask him. Uh, but Adriana the Colorist has the eighth one. I think. Oh, that's so awesome. So I think that's the actual number of who has them, but then that's it. And so uh, that's the thing I'm always like, I can never replace it. Because I can break something. 
like I had a I had a Superman bus that broke and now I have to replace it. It oh. broke a couple of years ago though. And so was I that the one that was at your uh, was that your brother's place or something like that? Where you no, that's that Batman thing that's over there. Oh, okay. I moved that because <laughs> uh, it was too big back here. I moved. No, uh, there was a Superman bus or something like that was like you. It went missing and you were like, "Why do you have that?" No, it was that was Batman. Oh, it was Batman. Okay, that was the Batman one. Yeah, it was giant from the from the Warner Brothers store. I mean, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I have a, it was a small Superman bust, and it broke. And so I actually uh, I know a store that has it. I might actually pick it up today. Like, so <laughs> that broke a while ago, though, and so sure. Know, that, but again, like I can replace you can get that. It. Yeah, yeah. It's like oh, fifty bucks. Sure, let's do it. Uh, yeah. That would be impossible to replace. So yeah, there's things like that. I have some comics and like that, but that's one that I'm like. This is this, and nice. it is irreplaceable. I have other little things like there's something over here I have where it was like uh, one year The Walking Dead did this promotional thing where they sent people this package that looked like it was um, a serial killer package. It was so creepy, yeah. and it was a promotional thing. They sent out like ten of them, and you were supposed to post it online. And I was the worst person to send it to, as you uh-huh. know, I don't do anything online. <laughs> Yeah, and I remember getting these messages of people being like, "You have to post it. You have to post it." And I was like, "I have to do what now? Like, what's going on? <laughs> what?" Because it had like part of it had a puzzle, and then people online were put together. And I oh was, my like, god, I was the, the worst person to send it Hold to because I'm like, it was supposed to be like a viral thing, and I'm like, "Why did you send me this? What's happening?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're like promoted online, and I was like, "What? What's going on?" I don't really do so that. I, have that. Um, I will end on this. I have this dope uh, green uh, green arrow number two that comes out. There's actually oh. a joke in here where somebody calls him uh, Green Lantern, uh, <laughs> but uh, and he's like, "No, it's Green Arrow." Um, but yeah, this comes out uh, soon. This might actually come out when you're posting this. So oh, I nice. Pick this up. Yeah, but we should end there so it's yes. in on a high note and not sad stuff. <laughs> right? No, no. I think it's an inspirational story. I think it's a it's a it's a triumphant tale. But it's like you know, but I hope so. I mean, it's not over uh, yet. <laughs> well, that's true. Well, that's, that's like the life story. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like that's a, a real life. It's not doesn't have three acts. Is the exactly? The truth. So no, we're talking about uh, yeah, but, uh, so we'll see. <laughs> yeah, but listen, uh, Superman Annual is coming out. You got to pick that up, folks. Green Arrow number two. Superman Annual in August. Yeah, comics, man. Complex, complex, complex. Check them out. Yeah, comics, comics. Thank you, Josh, for being here. Thank you, everybody, for watching. Yeah. We'll see you guys next time here yeah. at Comic Pop Returns. So long, everybody. <laughs>